Welcome to Four Guys in a Comic. Join the party with your hosts, Red, Rusty, Tap, and Noah. Now kick back and welcome special guest, Jim Zub. Welcome everybody to Four Guys in a Comic, and I'm pleased to announce our special guest that we have for this evening. May everybody stand up and applaud for none other than Jim Zub. Welcome, Jim. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you guys? Awesome. Thank you. Fantastic. Excellent. So, for those so, that are not too familiar with your work, maybe just a quick little rundown, a little bio about who you are, what you've done, a little bit of information for those people that are just living in a box, I guess. No worries. So, I've been, uh, I guess, working in comics in various capacities for, oh, geez, like, uh, uh, you know, almost uh, 15 years now. And, uh, but I'm probably best known now as a writer. Um, so I, I've written for just about everyone in the comic business. So Marvel, DC, Dark Horse, IDW, Dynamite, uh, Udon, you name it, Image. Yeah, Image, you know. The guys who, <laughs> and uh, all sorts of other uh, people in this business. And, and uh, I do a variety of creator-owned comics and commercial writing as well. And uh, that's, that's where I'm at. My current sort of slate of books I've got four projects on the go. I'm writing uh, Thunderbolts for Marvel. I have a creator-owned title called Wayward at Image. I do the uh, official Dungeons & Dragons comic for IDW. Um, I've got a new creator-owned book launching in September called Glitter Bomb. Actually, i got five projects. Jeez. And then I've got a Street Fighter miniseries coming from Udon that launches in a few weeks. Fantastic. Five projects. How do you find the time? They all sound so diverse, too. Yeah, there are. It's a lot of fun. So, um, well, it, I mean, it, the assumption is that all of these are kind of happening simultaneously. They're being released all simultaneously. But like, in the case of the Street Fighter book, I actually wrote that about six months ago, and so now it's finally coming out. So it's one of those things where you know I wrote that over the like the Christmas holidays, and and uh, it's now just finally being released in the summertime. So it depends on scheduling. Sometimes you're crushing all this stuff at the same time. Sometimes you're pitching one or, or scripting another or, you know, doing revisions or it's, it's sort of a constant flow of, of, you know, different stages of projects. Um, before I got into the writing end of things, I did uh, art direction and project management at Udon. And so I kind of got used to juggling multiple projects and setting up schedules and hitting deadlines. And so that's kind of become my calling card is being able to juggle different projects or creator owned and commercial at the same time. So for Street Fighter, you had mentioned Street Fighter. Um, that one, obviously, I grew up playing Street Fighter, Super Nintendo, all the way. Uh, yeah, me is, too. I was say, was yeah. that a labor of love for you doing Street Fighter then? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I was with the Udon Company when they first got the license for the Street Fighter comic, and I think all of us were just, you know, so excited to be able to contribute and create something, you know, based on this property that we loved so much. And, uh, yeah, it's just been an absolute joy. Uh, you know, back when they were developing Street Fighter 4, the Udon studio was involved, and we found out they were developing the game almost a year before they announced it. And so it was this weird thing where we had to keep it a secret. And, you know, like you just feel like you're on that inner track of what's going on on one of your favorite, you know, properties. It was so cool. Um, yeah, I grew up playing a lot of a lot of fighting games, but most of it was Street Fighter and absolutely obsessed with it. When Street Fighter 2 came out, I would play it in the arcade. I played it on the Super Nintendo. Yes. Played it like crazy. And so, yeah, it, it's it's with a lot of the stuff. You know, uh, a lot of the the projects I've had the fortune to work on are things that it mean a lot to me. And uh, there's nothing quite like 
being able to contribute to something that you you know have that much nostalgia for. And Street Fighter is definitely one of those uh, properties. So who's your favorite character to play with? Uh, so it's interesting. Like my favorite character to play is probably Chun Li or Ken. But then, actually, like design-wise and story-wise, I loved writing Ibuki, the ninja girl from Street Fighter Three. And so, yeah, it's kind of neat because you've got ones that you like aesthetically or story-wise, and then there's other ones that gameplay-wise kind of fit the way that I like to play the game. So you know, you sort of fit into different modes. Now, um, I just want to give a little shout out to Image or whoever's putting together Image Plus, because in oh, the most yeah. recent Image Plus, uh, we got a nice little four, five-page preview of Glitter Bomb, which mm-hmm. is your upcoming project. Uh, and I've got to say, the, the concept sounds extremely interesting. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And, Thank uh, you. Uh, I'll give the quick sort of pitch here for people yeah. who haven't seen it. So Glitter Bomb it comes out first week of September, and the concept is sort of like a, a, a Hollywood horror tragedy. So it's kind of taking this idea of kind of the the shallowness of fame and kind of our obsession with celebrity and pushing it into this like horrific kind of sarcastic takedown of of hollywood culture of movie culture and kind of our obsession with the you know the famous and the rich and all that kind of stuff and so it's something that's been percolating in the back of my head for quite a while and it was just a matter of finding the right artist and finding the right sort of timing for it and uh i'm absolutely thrilled i mean Image has been my go-to for my creator-owned comics, and they've been unbelievably supportive. Uh, I did a series called Skull Kickers there in 2010. Yes, uh, love Skull Kickers. And, and it, um, it was kind of my calling card. That was really what put me on the map for a lot of people. I had done some comics before that, but really it was the one that most people kind of knew me for or started to know my work for. And that opened up so many doors for me in terms of other writing projects and getting my name out there. And so I uh, did Skull Kickers 2010. 2014 launched Wayward, which is still going. And now Glitter Bomb, you know, in 2016. So I feel like, yeah, I, I mean, Image has just been the best. And they've been so supportive. And they, uh, they've been very excited about Glitter Bomb. And we're super excited to see the, you know, response from people when that first issue launches. And you said that's coming out in September? Yeah, yeah, I'm collaborating with a, a newcomer, uh, this guy, Jabril Morissette. He's a French artist, uh, just a young guy, and uh, this is his first kind of major release. He's done a couple other smaller comic projects. I think he did some, like, Kickstarter stuff with um, uh, Brian Polito and, and a couple other people, but just sort of, like, this is his first kind of published book in stores. And so, you know, to launch at Image, I think it's going to be, I think his career is going to blow up. He's got so much skill, and uh, he's got a real natural understanding of storytelling and, and design and aesthetic. He's just, uh, I think he's going to knock people out. That's one thing you have to appreciate with the image is that they bring in, they recognize that, and they bring these people in like that. Yeah, so I mean, the great thing is is that they just really want to publish great comics, and uh, so they're open to new pitches, new creators, they're open to new ideas, and so it's an incredible, if you can get your foot in the door there, you know, it's an incredible place to to really uh, to, to throw out some new stuff and, and surprise people, and because of the success with some of the more off-the-wall things they've done, you know, it's easy to look at them now and say stuff like Saga or Sex Criminals, 
you know, they're mega hits, but when they were launching, it wasn't so much of a sure thing. I mean, Brian K. Vaughn's always a safe bet, but no one knew how big that stuff was going to be. Or, you know, a book like Chew that's so weird and off the yeah. wall. But now at Image, like, people are looking for those titles that are different. They're looking for books that are not just kind of riffing on genres and expectations of what people have seen before. You know, a book like um, Bitch Planet or something like that, you, it just probably wouldn't have gotten the traction at other publishers that it has an image because now people are looking for kind of something off the wall, something different, something to, you know, just sort of shake things up. Yeah. And I feel the great thing about image as well is for some reason, when it comes to an image comic, you notice the name of the creator more because it is there. It's what they own. It's not, you know, you're not looking at Aquaman. You're looking at, you know, Jim's up, Jonathan Hickman, whoever it is that wrote it, you're looking at the name as well as the title. Well, because uh, I think is... part of the, the way they sell the books are the truth. I mean, every image book is a passion project. There is no sort of corporate mandate where they're building a publishing line based on a specific genre or what they think is going to be the new hot thing. They're really just sort of saying to creators or, or looking at pitches and saying, I think this is worthy. you know. And so every one of these projects that's being pitched – is, is a passion project. The people that are making it want to make these books. They have probably always wanted to make these books, or, or for years at least, and, and now they're pouring themselves into you know the final result. And so there's a real earnestness to that. There's a sense that this would not exist without these people pushing forward and putting the momentum into it rather than it feeling like a commercial product. You know what I mean? Not that there's anything wrong with that. Like, I love superheroes i love genre material and i love working on commercial stuff but you know my image books there's something particularly like rewarding about meeting someone and they say my favorite book is skull kickers and i know that that book would not exist if edwin and chris and i had not built that thing from scratch you know what i mean yeah. Don't get me wrong. Like, it's fun to, to write a, a really well-known character. And if someone says, oh, I thought your Batman story was amazing, that's very, you know, complimentary. But but Batman's going to be okay. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to exist regardless of my involvement. Um, but Something like Shutterbug, it's your baby. It's, it's yeah, out there. Yeah, yeah. No, no absolutely. Or, or you look at, yeah, absolutely. Shutter or... You look at, you know, in my case, Wayward or whatever, these books exist because that's the book I wanted to make or that's the book that, you know, was pitched by the creator. And so I think there's something really core about that. And you can feel that passion coming through in in every single book. And, you know, when I read a lot of the image books, even ones that I look at and go, okay, this book isn't for me, I can say, but there's an audience for this. There's clearly a thrust here. And I think that there's something special. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. Uh, oh, go ahead, Nova. I was just going to ask really quickly with Glitter Bomb, is this a story you have an ending in mind or do you is it going to be ongoing as long as you can, you know, keep going? So the first arc is four issues and it's specifically sort of built to be a self-contained story that leaves some threads hanging. So if uh, you know, Jabril gets really crazy busy because I think he, I really do think he's going to blow up. I think everyone and their dog's going to want a hold of him once they see what he's capable of, let alone the fact that he's so dependable uh, and capable. But we've got sort of more stories that we can tell in this, you know, in this, this takedown or in this sort of bigger, broader uh, kind of analysis of, of fame and failure and all that. And so there is a character story that wraps up in issue four, 
but there's a lot of other people in a lot of situations that have sort of been built within that structure. And so what I'm hoping is that it does really well. And then Jabril and I just keep it rolling. So we do like an arc a year and we keep building different little pieces and, and delving into different sort of related elements, you know, bit by bit. And then that way he can do other commercial work. I can do other commercial work, but we can slowly, you know, go deeper and keep pushing this thing out there. So it's not something where you'd have to buy another monthly book and add it to your subscription pile for the whole year, but you'd get four or five issues a year, you know, and, and dig in on it. And then we'd take a break and then come back to it over and over again. That's sort of my dream on Glitter Bomb. And if for whatever reason it doesn't grab a broader audience, then we've got a self-contained story that wraps up in a satisfying way where you're like, okay, that character story is done. That makes sense. We've got something solid there. You know, I think you've got to kind of future-proof yourself in this market. You can't just go in there. You know, the market is so volatile and people aren't used to – like the kinds of runs that you saw in the past, you know, where you had – 50, 60, 70 issue runs on big books, those are going to be even rarer, you know, like something like Saga will be able to endure, and obviously The Walking Dead has, but you look at the dozens and dozens of other titles that, you know, aren't able to pull in the kind of numbers to have that kind of long-term development, you've just got to be honest about that, and so can I make something where it has potential to grow? Yes, but can also be satisfying in a shorter format? Yes, okay, then that's that's sort of the way to, to take it into the market. Awesome. Uh, now, you had mentioned a little bit ago Wayward. And <clears throat> uh, I recently uh, discovered Wayward through a friend of ours of the show, Racer. He, he told me, he goes, you know, you and me like a lot of the same things. You should really check out this book. It's, it's phenomenal. Uh, and so I went and I, and I read like a brief description of it. And the description I read, uh, I don't know if I... 100% by you, but I thought it was interesting. It's definitely what pulled me in. They said it was uh, basically the Buffy the Vampire Slayer set in Japan. Right. And yeah, I, that was that was sort of the selling, uh, the way we sort of sold it in the in the to retailers and to new readers. And it's it, it's accurate in the sense that it's like teenagers fighting the supernatural, yes, and you yes. mix that kind of drama and action with a little bit of sass, you know. But it's a very different kind of a story. But it, I do think there is a, something to be said for people where it's like, oh, if you like Buffy, you'll probably like this. There's enough sort of crossover in that sense of of attitude rather than plot specific yes and and i do agree with that as a big buffy and angel fan stuff and all that was on and uh so i went back and i'm through i'm not all the way caught up i think i'm through like issue 10 or 11 right now um on wayward uh so i'm a little behind but that being said um i binge i mean like i said i just discovered it I think late last week, and I just binge read everything I could get on my hands on at that time, and uh, it's a phenomenal book. I'm enjoying it immensely. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, it's it's really good. So I guess my question on that is, uh, I believe the artist is located in Japan. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, Stephen Cummings lives in Yokohama, which is, I mean, a long time ago, Yokohama was outside of Tokyo, but now Tokyo's grown so much, it's essentially like next door. Like, it's like butted right up against the edge of Tokyo now. Oh, okay. Awesome. Because I say, the art in it, like, it looks like somebody has either traveled there extensively and or lives there. Um, but I guess my question is then is, you know, you being in Canada, have you traveled there to for when you're writing, not just the visual aspect, but for when you're telling the story? Like, have you been there? Or does he just give you references? I guess, how does that work? 
Well, so I've been to Japan now five times. Oh, okay. Uh, and my most recent trip was actually just just like a month and a half ago. So I hadn't been to Japan since Wayward Launch. So the last time I had been before the series launch was my honeymoon. My wife and I went there for our honeymoon for like three weeks. Um, but so I've been before. I've been on multiple trips when I was at the Udon studio, we were doing a lot of work with Capcom Japan. So I went there for business a few times. I went there with a a group of friends and we were essentially there just on like a, a big kind of hangout trip slash uh, bachelor party on the other side of the world. It was super fun. Uh, And then I've also done a lot of research. So it's sort of a mixture of being there and then also working with Steve and also research that I've done, as well as we have a, as part of the team, in each issue of Wayward, there's an essay in the back, which is all about Japanese culture or mythology. And those are written by a guy named Zach Davison, who lived in Japan for like 12 years, and he's a professional uh, Japanese manga translator. And so he also helps consult on the series and give us sort of cultural notes and feedback and things like that. So it's really a mixture of kind of what I know, what Steve knows, what Zach knows, and then additional research on top of that. And we work very hard to make the series feel uh, like grounded in the real, you know, real Tokyo, real Japan. Uh, We've had some fans that have sort of gone around and found them and taken photos of themselves in the same spots, you know, where we've set certain uh, action scenes or dramatic scenes. Um, a lot of the little cultural stuff that pops up is is very much grounded in real Japanese culture. Uh, everything from the store signs and the backgrounds, they're, they're yeah. fictional, like we do all sorts of parodies and riffs on real Japanese signs, but all the kanji that you see on the signs are actual, you can read them, they say things. You know, all the language stuff that we're doing, all the, uh, even even in some cases when they jump on the subway and the route they take or things like that, they're all stuff that you can actually do. You know, Steve and I really work hard to make the city, uh, sort of just as much a character as anything else in the comic. So we send like Google earth links to each other. And it's almost like we're casting locations for a movie where we're kind of going back and forth and being like, okay, well, where would this take place? Well, if they're here, where would they go? You know, if they're running away or, you know, stuff like that, like we're really, trying to nail these things down and make it feel like a like the real place that it is you know probably one of the most surreal aspects was on my my big trip that i took this summer uh my wife and i went to some of those spots that we had put into the comic and most of them i had been to before but some of them steve had recommended and just worked you know into the book and so going there and being in that spot and feeling this weird sense of like deja vu off of somewhere that i'd never been was kind of awesome oh very cool yeah, well, I'm enjoying the book, like I said, immensely. And for those out there that may not have picked it up or read it and were late to find it like I was, by all means, go check it out. It is a super fun story. Oh, thanks. Yeah, we've got three trade paperbacks out so far, 15 issues. And we're on a break right now between arcs. <clears throat> Steve is uh, cranking away on the next uh, arc, and I'm wrapping up writing on the last few issues of the arc. So we're back in September with issue 16, which will lead into our fourth story arc and you know in some ways i can't believe we're already this far you know and it's it's going really well uh the series um has got a really awesome passionate fan base and they're into it and they're excited about where things are going and and i can't wait to sort of keep throwing curveballs people's way awesome Awesome. now you mentioned three trade paperbacks but uh one thing about your image titles so 
Skull Kickers has three Treasure Trove editions, mm-hmm. and Wayward has the deluxe. Now, I have two questions for you. One, sure. um, will you keep putting out these hardcovers? Because that's my preferred way of collecting. Yeah. And follow-up is, do you, as the creator, sort of have to go to Image and say, I, I want this I want this made, I want this deluxe edition made, here's the bonus content, all that stuff, or does Image sort of come to you and say, hey, sales are good, you know? Um, Image is very much about the creator making those decisions, unless the economics are completely in the wrong, like it just would not sell a base minimum amount. If we can justify, you know, if the soft cover trade paperbacks are doing well, in the case of both Skull Kickers and Wayward, just to explain, these deluxe editions, they're hardcovers as opposed to softcovers, and they're double-ups. So there's two trade paperbacks worth of content in each of the deluxes, plus we usually add a bunch of extras that you can only get in that special hardcover. So if you've been holding out and you want to get this super spiffy edition, you're going to get all sorts of great stuff. It's a little more money, but you get a really nice binding. In the case of our deluxe ones, they're 15% larger, so the actual artwork is a little bit bigger than you get on a printed comic. Um, the, the deluxe wayward has 80 pages of back matter. So everything from all the convention covers that we did and limited edition covers to uh, extra design artwork showing you how we designed all the characters, even some of the original emails I sent to Steve with the proposal for the story, to talking about a lot of the different cultural uh, nuances and, and mythological elements from Japanese history that we actually use in the story. And so even if you've enjoyed it and you kind of get a feel for what we're doing, the deluxe will really give you, you know, you can dig that much deeper into what we're building and see something, you know, really cool. The deluxe edition also comes with a poster that folds out uh, with a bunch of our connected covers that we did for the second arc. And it's got new cover art and, and all sorts of stuff like that. So putting those together is a real labor of love. And, like, the first one we did for Skull Kickers was honestly, like, I think I did it just out of this, you know, thing of, well, I think this will be really cool. And I really want this on my shelf. <laughs> and I want to commemorate this book that I've worked so hard on. So let's, you know, do this this deluxe edition. And so we did the first Treasure Trove, and it did really well, and readers really liked it. And so we kind of determine the page count and we determine how much material is going to be in there and what that content's going to be, you know, and I let Image know, okay, I think we can do this many pages. And then we talk about, like, what's the price point, you know? If it's this many pages and it's this format, you know, what's the break even? And how do we, what's reasonable based on the market, you know? So there's this business involved, but it's, it starts with the creator sort of saying, having the will to want to do this. I think some of the other image creators don't even realize that they can propose this stuff. Like some of the other creators said to me, well, how did you get that hardcover? And I went, I told them I wanted to do one. And they're like, oh, you can do that? I'm like, yeah. (laughs) Get in there, you know. Like I saw that format. Robert Kirkman had done it with Walking Dead, and and I thought it was a really beautiful format to do these double-ups. And I was like, Robert's clearly doing well. I will rip that off. I will uh, (laughs) keep yeah, keep keep telling everyone to do them because I I love the Image Deluxe editions. They're beautiful books. Yeah, and, the only downside, yes. is, you know, it takes a while for them to come out because yeah. you yeah. assume that an arc's going to take you know anywhere from six to eight months, and then you got to get two out before you do a deluxe, and there's usually a delay even after that. So you're talking a year and a half probably, yeah. you know. So you are you are quite a bit further behind on on reading the story, but in terms of um, format, I think it's killer. 
especially the long tail of the series if it's going to be running for a while. Uh, I know some of our most ardent readers, they'll usually, they'll buy digital to read the single issues and then they'll buy the deluxe in print and that's kind of their archival on the shelf edition. So yeah, waiting, waiting for the second saga one has been a, uh, a test of patience for sure. Oh, the saga one particularly because they do three arcs in there. Yeah. Yeah. Big and hard covers, so that sucker takes a while to yeah. come out. But man, what a beauty! Yeah, but um, wayward. Will we be seeing? Is there the potential for the second one? Oh, absolutely. We've already awesome. got it loosely on the schedule. So, once the fourth arc is done, which will be January, I would expect we would see it probably later next summer. So that's. Awesome. I've already talked to Steve about what's going to be on the cover. Like, uh, with publishing in comics, like like. Traditional book publishing, you got to plan stuff 10 months to a year out. And that's kind of what I'm used to. And most comic guys are like thinking four to five months out. But most of the comic publishers are now realizing the importance of, of thinking that much further ahead. And so what you're seeing is images slowly, in a good way, ratcheting forward and sort of getting creators to think further out about what they want to do format-wise when this stuff's coming out. So that because comics and traditional bookstores are such a, a big market now, graphic novels are one of the only areas in traditional bookstores where it's consistently growing as far as sales go. And so, you know, for the future of the medium and for the future of, of image, you've got to be thinking further out. You've got to be playing the longer game in terms of planning your publishing schedule. And now are you and Sean uh, designing these, these books in general, like the hardcovers, the trades? Steven Steve, and I? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Image has graphic designers who will do yeah. that for you. But because I come from an art background and a, and a design background, I do my own graphic design. So the Skull Kickers books, uh, I actually am the, the designer on it, um, which is not – and not everyone does that. So it, But Image lets you do it as long as your stuff's not unprofessional. Like if I was yeah. handing in crap, I'm sure they would be like, hey, we can't put our name on this. But because the, the design work, you know, they like it and they like what I'm doing with it, they're fine. I literally control that book cover to cover, which is very unusual for this business. But it's one of the reasons I love being an image is that I can control every single aspect of it. So I know exactly what the page count is going to be. I know what the content's going to look like. I did all the graphic design on it. Um, if I screw it up, it's my fault. You know? so, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, thank you for all that info. I've, that's, I'm, just, I'm extremely happy to hear all that. Well, I'm glad you like the book because it's a real testament to the hard work that, that you know, Stephen and I put into it. Or in the case of Treasure Trove, you know, Edwin and Chris and I like those books are a real labor of love. And, and I can't tell you how incredible it is to, to open up a box and to see a book that you've made, you know, printed in, in your hands. And that first time you flip through it and the weird feeling of God, please don't let me find a spelling mistake. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really. Right. But even still, uh, mistakes slip in. But anyways, but to go through that and to be like, this is mine. Like I, you know, uh, this is so cool. This is this has been a real, from cover to cover, we built this thing. You know, that's uh, it's an amazing feeling. Very cool. So, kind of switching gears from sure. creator from the creator owned stuff to uh, Marvel. You're working on uh, Thunderbolt now. Yep, now, yeah. So, um, with Secret Wars ending, the first Marvel event was uh, Pleasant Hill. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
you actually got to yeah you got to deal with a character that came from it called Kobik, which you're currently writing for in Thunderbolts. How does it feel to be dealing with such, I guess, a big, I, I would assume a big Marvel character now, just with the amount of power that Kobik can do whatever she wants, basically. Yeah, so to just catch people up to speed, um, I, I pitched on Thunderbolts, uh, Tom Brevoort, he's the Avengers group editor, he got me to pitch on Thunderbolts. They told me who the cast would be. They had already built it. So Marvel does these writing summits about twice a year, sometimes more depending on uh, what they need. And the the last summit, I wasn't there or anything, but they had already figured out that they were going to bring back the Thunderbolts, and it was going to tie into this event called Avengers Standoff, also known as Pleasant Hill. And um, so they asked me what I would do you know, based on this cast of characters. And... They hinted to me that there, it was tying into some other stuff that they were doing, but I didn't know the extent of it when I pitched. And so I just said, here's how I visualize these characters. This is the type of stuff they could do. Not that I thought I would write that exact story, but just to you know, get, let them know I was in the right headspace. Uh, and once I convinced them of that and they were on board with me writing the series, they kind of let me in on, on big, big plot stuff they were building in, in Steve Rogers' Captain America and a lot of other stuff that's coming down the pipe. And so... Um, yeah, it was this amazing thing where I realized, oh crap, I'm getting you know access to this character who is has a big role to play in in some future aspects of the Marvel universe, and, and it's my job to really lay a groundwork of character and um, and showcase power and and what that potential is, so that as it builds and as it moves forward, it all kind of logically. Uh, feeds into some of the bigger stuff that's coming down the pipe. I think Nick Spencer did a really good job with Pleasant Hill of establishing what Kobik could do. So for readers who haven't checked it out, Kobik is essentially like a, a cosmic being who came aware. She, she's like little broken bits of a cosmic cube that the Red Skull used to have in his possession. And S.H.I.E.L.D. had recovered, and they basically... Uh, were experimenting on it, trying to unlock its power, and they ended up, uh, essentially, it, it gained awareness. And some other cosmic cubes in past stories have gained awareness, but because this was just pieces of a cosmic cube, it became a child. And so it has the, the countenance of a child and the attitude and under, moral understanding of a child, but it has the cosmic ability to alter reality at will. And so you've got a character who if I'm not careful, could really, really muck everything up, you know, because she could do almost anything. And so very early on, it was a challenge for us to figure out what, how to use her well, how to use her to drive story, to drive drama, how to work, you know, what a child might do with this kind of power. And so it's been a really cool exercise. This is what's neat about um, work for hire kind of stuff is your getting to play in this bigger sandbox of established material and getting to add to it. And in some ways it's really liberating because you're able to draw upon all this amazing story material that already exists. So you don't have to brainstorm as much, but it's also a, like a incredible puzzle that you're trying to fit together pieces from the past and pieces into the future that make sense while at the same time trying to surprise readers. And so it's been an amazing exercise for me to, first of all, get to write in the Marvel Universe, which is a dream. You know, 12-year-old me thinks this is insane. You know, how could I be a superhero writer? 
Um, and on the other hand, you know, it's a real, real amazing challenge to be able to step up and, and deliver something, hopefully, that people are enjoying, you know. And, and the response we've had to the first few issues have been really strong, and people really like Kobik, and they like the relationship that she's forming with Bucky, you know, the Winter Soldier. And it's just been a really, really amazing experience all around. And so uh, I'm hopeful that, you know, we're going to get keep rolling and doing big things with it in the future. Uh, I had a call with my editor on Friday and we were talking about, you know, the next six to eight months and where things are going and just confirming a bunch of the plans that we had been brainstorming. So it's uh, it's a really exciting time right now. No, I was going to definitely say, even with Thunderbolts, though, like the whole comic kind of seems like a throwback to the 90s. And I don't want you to take that as like, because I know a lot of people don't like the 90s, but I enjoy 90s comics. And I I just wanted to say it's kind of like a throwback to old Marvel for me. I mean, one of the things that got me in the story is when um, Kobik rips the Moonstone out of Moonstone. Yep. And yeah, yeah, and that right there, I was just like, "Oh snap! Whoa, that wouldn't happen in most comics nowadays for Marvel, and it just happened." So I was just like, "Wow." I think we wanted to do like early on. I talked to Tom about this. You know, Thunderbolts is known for twist endings and surprises, and lots of you know unexpected character turns and things like that. And so I knew we wanted to keep that tradition as part of the series. But we couldn't just retread what had been done before. So if your listeners hadn't read the original Thunderbolts from the 90s, the gist of the original Thunderbolts was they were actually villains in disguise, pretending to be heroes. And uh, at the end of the first issue, it's revealed they're actually the masters of evil who have tricked a whole bunch of Marvel heroes into thinking that they're a superhero team. And they're going to lure them in and then basically take over. Uh, great twist, unbelievable. Kurt Busiek and, and Mark Bagley just, you know, did one for the ages. But it's been done. Like, we can't do the same trick, you know? No one's going to be surprised. And so the difficulty was going into the series and saying, I want to have a twist, I want to have surprises, but I can't do what's been done before. And so one of the early ones was, well, who's going to come into conflict with Kobik, you know? Moonstone. Okay, so how do we resolve this? And then I, I brainstormed this idea and I pitched it to Tom and I said, she's going to rip the Moonstone out of her chest. And Tom's like, well, that's that's a good surprise, you know. And so we just sort of we put that on the table as one of the options. And it wasn't necessarily the first issue, but then as we you know kept building and going, I said, I think that's the, you know, the first issue of a series is when you need to grab the reader because they're trying something out, and if you don't grab them, they won't be back you know, for the, for the next month. Right. And that's, you're your, in comics right now. The first issue of a series almost always sells the most copies. So that's where we're going to make our statement. That's where we're going to grab people or not. And so I said, we got to go big. We got to really show people that she's, you know, dangerous and childlike wonder and all that put together. And so that's, that's kind of how we ended up structuring that first payoff. And it, it's been great. You know, the response to people from readers has been really fun. And I think it's uh, it helped really put the book on the map. And then the stuff that Nick's doing over in Steve Rogers' Captain America, obviously, with the the big traitor turn and Hydra and all that stuff. Now that people know that Kobik is involved, I think it's brought a lot of eyeballs over to Thunderbolts again. So that's exciting. It You know, I feel like we've got a bigger stage now to hopefully impress readers and, and keep things entertaining. Now with with Marvel, a lot of stuff has been changing and changing and changing. Uh, were you a frequent reader before you started writing Thunderbolts, or was it sort of like 
wow, um, I guess I got to wrap my head around all these things and sort of figure out how it's going to work. Uh, sort of both. So I grew up on Marvel Comics. Like I, my first comic I remember collecting as a as a kid was the old Marvel G.I. Joe and then sort of went sideways into all the superhero stuff. So I started collecting Amazing Spider-Man and then eventually like every Spider-Man series, Web Spider-Man Spectacular. My brother and I would collect as much of the Marvel Universe as we get our hands on back in – this is the, the early to mid-80s. So we were collecting Thor and Fantastic Four and uh, – you know, all sorts of different books, Doctor Strange and the X-Men, and we were just obsessed with Marvel. Um, as the 90s sort of moved on, uh, my tastes kind of changed, and so I ended up leaving, you know, as Image, the Image boom happened, and then eventually the Image sort of, you know, the, the 90s crash happened, I had kind of moved on to reading more indie books and manga and things like that anyways, and then eventually more web comics and things online. So I was always reading comics, and I keep track of some Marvel books, but not as regularly. And over the last few years, I've been sort of digging back in and trying out books. Or, you know, I've got quite a few friends in the industry, so I would read some of their books and, and kind of get reacquainted with things. So I was aware of what was happening overall. But even still, when it came time to do the Thunderbolts book and when I finally had the opportunity – I made a real conscious effort to do research and to dig back through the team's history, make sure that I was like as invested as I could be in, in what had happened. I think it's really important to be aware of the continuity. You don't want to get sucked down into it and you know constantly be navel-gazing and telling stories about the past. But equally, I think it's important to be aware of what has happened so that it still feels like it's part of you know, a big story, a big building story. And so that's a weird kind of balancing act where we're launching a new number one. And I don't want people to have to read an encyclopedia worth of material to appreciate the book. So I've got to sum up these characters as succinctly as I can. But on the other hand, you know, I want you to be able to appreciate that they have gone on many adventures and that these people know each other and this isn't the first time that they've worked together, you know? And that's the weird kind of balance that you try and strike with this stuff. And so whenever we're dealing with questions of continuity, it's always like, hey, in my mind at least, all the stories happened, but we're not necessarily focused on all of them. We're focused on moving the plot forward. And how can we best do that? Yeah, I figured it was sort of something along those lines. There's so many books coming out, right? I mean, oh yeah, they, they themselves put out as many books as every company did you know 20 years ago yeah no you can't it's almost impossible to collect at all and so even even internally you know i can't read all the marvel books on a monthly basis so you know i'm reading as many relevant ones as i can and then i'm trusting that my editors are able to keep me up to date on stuff or if i ask particular questions they can point me in the right direction so it does require a lot of a lot of research to, to keep up on and try and be um, aware and you know mistakes happen but as much as possible you try and be on top of all this stuff and the readers man they will not let you they will <laughs> no. not let you slip for an instant and I think that no, they won't. it's funny right like, no I think some of these readers they they have it in their mind like if you make one continuity mistake like you don't deserve to write it's this their book religion, and it's yes, their religion man it is it is well, and it, I'm not trying to talk down on fans look passionate people <clears throat> Loving these characters and these books are the reasons why they're now huge movie properties and the reason why I have a job. So, And I'm you know, one of those people. I love 
these characters. And so there's nothing invalid about being into this stuff and wanting to get it right. And But you do at some point. It, you can't keep it all in your head simultaneously. You know what I mean? And yeah, so yeah. you just do your absolute best to tell a really cool uh, story and, and, you know, keep all these things as much in play as you can, you know? And sometimes the answer is not immediate. Like I know some people, they've asked me questions about why certain things are happening in the series. And there's an assumption that we don't know or that we've forgotten something. And in some cases, I'm sure that's happened. But in other cases, it's something where we have an answer, but you don't get it all at once. You know, it's got to be slowly revealed. That's the whole point of building drama in a serialized format, you know. Like what Nick Fury said to Thor, that kind of thing? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll give you an example. So one of the characters on the Thunderbolts team is named the Fixer, and he used to be a villain and all this kind of stuff, and now he's a member of the Thunderbolts. The last time he appeared before Pleasant Hill was at the end of the first Thunderbolt series, uh, issue 174. Wow, there you go. Uh, and he ends up making – he sacrifices himself in order to save the team and sort of save reality by inserting himself back into the time stream because he accidentally killed his past self. And, it, you know, it, it's good old Marvel weird time travel fiction stuff. So if he doesn't basically replace himself, reality will break because he's not where he's supposed to be in the past. And so he does so, but by doing so, he's basically trapped himself in a loop where he goes into the past, he lives that life again, and then when he gets to that moment, he has to reinsert himself into the past. So he can never exist outside of that loop. And uh, the character showed up in Pleasant Hill, and immediately fans cried foul. And they were like, this guy's trapped in the time stream. Don't you know your own book? And... uh, (laughs) So they were like blaming Nick Spencer, and then when I took over Thunderbolts, they're like, "Fixer's supposed to be ta- caught in a time stream," and I'm like, "I know, it's cool. Like, you know, there's there's a method to the madness here, and I get it. They want the answer because they want to know that this stuff makes sense, even in this you know crazy fictional universe. But you don't get the answer in issue one, and you don't get the answer in issue two, and so you know they're wondering what the hell's going on, and it's like, well, got we got stuff to reveal, but I've also got a story." that we're taking in forward, you know what I mean? And so this will get revealed in time, but it's not immediately relevant to our current drama. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, Jim, I want to circle back real quick. You were mentioning a little bit ago that, you know, it's hard to keep up with all the stuff that's coming out monthly. And there is. There's a lot of stuff, you know, between all the different publishers. Yeah, it is. You know, that's probably one reason why I focus a lot more these days on the image because there's just way too much. But what is it that you do yourself to try to keep up with this stuff? Um, you know, I, I'm pretty vicious about not collecting a book if it's not entertaining to me. You know, there was mm-hmm. a time in my life where I would buy a book because I loved a character, and so I would keep reading it even when it was crap, mm-hmm. because you're like, well, I've, I have every issue of Spider-Man, so I have to keep reading Spider-Man, even if I hate it, and it's like, no, I don't do that anymore, you know? Yeah, but I you actually, feel like... I like Spider-Man, like, I, yeah, I like the Dan Slott stuff a lot. Yeah, but for a while I didn't read the book. Yeah, you feel almost entitled. My gosh, I collect all of this so far. I'm obligated to keep reading it. (laughs) Well, that's the freedom of digital, I think, as well. Is once you free yourself from the long boxes and the feeling of this is a constant collection. When I say I am reading serialized stories, and if I do not like them, I will walk away. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and then if it gets good again or I hear it's good again, I'll sample, I'll see if it's worth digging back into. And the stuff is so much more accessible, particularly thanks to the digital platform, that I don't have to feel like, oh, no, I'll never get that back issue. I'll never find out that story in a way that I did in the past, you know. And so, yeah, I'm pretty vicious about cutting a book if it's not working for me, you know, unless I have to read it for work. But that's a whole different, you know, sort of kettle of fish. Um, well, I was going to suggest, though, you know, one option I always throw out to people, you know, one way to keep caught up on what's going on all the time is, you know, I know this great podcast you can listen to while working. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing is that I, uh, the discussion around the stories of the comics have become, you know, the community aspect of online is so different now where yeah. it used to be the only talking about you're reading the letters page in the book and then mm-hmm. you're talking to your friends or you're talking to maybe the guys at the comic book shop oh, and that's about it and now there's just this broader discussion mm-hmm. and it's incredible amazing that you're able to sort of keep up on this stuff or realize i mean that's how you discover so many more books because oh, yeah. people are talking about a title or recommending a title or a podcast or anything there's that broader discussion going on and i think that that it's it's wonderful. It can be a little crazy at times because it's so much quicker, yeah. You know, than than used to be, where you would just get your little letters page hit every month, and that would sort of be the slight discussion. And now it's like instantaneous. Everything <laughs> about it. Everyone's on Reddit. Everyone's, you know, on Tumblr and Facebook, and and they're talking about this stuff constantly. Or you know, I'm doing multiple interviews in a month, you know, for different outlets, and we're talking mm-hmm. about. And everyone wants to know immediately. Like the, an issue comes out and people have got questions the day of. And it's like, well, the answer might not even be next month. It might be months down the line. And, you know, I yeah. want to tease this stuff, but equally, it's going to take a little while. You know, that's the nature of, of this monthly serialized format. Or you might not even be allowed to talk about it, too. People well, don't realize that. Yeah, it can be tough because you, you don't want to do an interview and every answer is keep reading. Yeah. Keep reading, you know, <laughs> but equally to sort of keep some cards close to your chest. I think, you know, um, when I got the Thunderbolts gig, uh, Nick Spencer and I jumped on a conference call and he told me about Captain America and their plans and, and the Hydra stuff, everything else. And he was like, almost no one knows, like almost no one at Marvel, a bunch of the editors, like the main editors know. But if it, it's like seriously a need to know basis because they were really worried about the secret getting out. And so they were like, you know this, and you can't tell anyone. If you tell anyone, it'll ruin this huge story that we've been building for all this time. I didn't even tell my wife. She's not as into this stuff, but I was just like, it's just easier if she doesn't know. That way I don't have to worry about remembering you know, what she knows or how much she knows or any of that stuff. So it's just easier for me to just keep it close to my chest. And the weirdest thing is when all that broke and everyone was losing their minds. People were like, did you know about this? I'm like, oh, yeah, I've known for like probably eight months, six months. <laughs> you didn't say anything? <laughs> Shut my mouth, you know? And, and that's part of the job is, is realizing yeah. when it's time to talk and when it's time to, you know, keep it, keep it secret. And it's a great point you brought up about people instantly going to like Twitter or something because issue two dropped and everyone's like, Oh, okay. I, yeah, I guess we kind of overreacted and shouldn't have said what we said to Nick Spencer. Well, but this is the thing. <laughs> the part of the difficulty is, I mean, you know, good press, bad press, it's all press. Like, it's all the intensity of the response obviously led to a lot of interest and a lot of 
you know, polarization about the story. And it's not for me to say how people should react. That's none of my, you react how you're going to react, you know. Hopefully in the long term, you know, cooler heads prevail and everyone's going to read through the story and then decide whether or not they feel it's a valid story or it's still hurtful or whatever it's going to be. Like, you know, and it wasn't my job to tell Nick and Tom what, you know, what their story is. It's like, okay, this is how it affects what I'm doing and this is what my plan is going forward. Is everyone cool with this? You know what I mean? And so that's really it's a group effort. Like we're all building in this Marvel universe in this sandbox. And so this is the castle they're building over there. And this is how it relates to what I'm doing. And, you know, uh, I have my opinions on it and I think it's uh, a valid story and I think it's exciting and has a lot of potential, but you don't know, even in the planning stages versus how it finishes, you know what I mean? Like, you can build and brainstorm, and, and in your mind, it, it goes one way, and then over six, eight, ten months, everything changes. You know, your own ideas change, and the Marvel Universe changes, and what characters you thought you'd have access to changes, and all that kind of stuff. And this is one of the things I'm really learning about while working on this book, is how to be a team player, and how to also roll with, you know, the moving landscape of the marvel universe and it's very exciting and weird at times because it's not like my creator own stuff or some of the other commercial stuff i've done where i basically go okay i'm doing the story and they go yes or no and then we make edits and then i do it you know here it's like okay here's what i think the story is and they're like sounds good and then three months later we go okay we got to make this adjustment or this is where we you know these other things have come up and you know stuff like that and so you've got to be thinking nine months ahead, but then you're also thinking six months ahead, but then you're also thinking four months ahead. You know, it's like, it's a constant sort of moving target. Keeps you on your toes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I love it. I really do. It's been a really amazing uh, opportunity, and I, I'm having an absolute blast. Well, we're having a blast reading your stuff, Jim. Thank you so okay. much. So probably the easiest way to keep track of me is my website. So it's just jimzub.com. So it's J-I-M-Z-U-B.com. Uh, and on there, of course, you got your interviews, your previews, Amazon links, all that stuff. I also have a pretty extensive section of tutorials all about how I write comics, how I pitch stories, how to write action, some of the economics of doing creator-owned books in the modern sort of comic book store uh, you know, market. And so there's a lot of information there that people have found useful. And so if people are into that aspect of it and they like seeing behind the curtain on how comics are made, they may find that very helpful. Uh, there's also even like pitches. So you can see the actual pitches that I sent to Image to get Skull Kickers published, to get Wayward published, things like that. So it's a really kind of, like I said, unique sort of peek behind the curtain and get a feel for what I'm doing. If you're really a process junkie, I've even got a Patreon where for a small amount per month, we're talking like three to five bucks a month, you'll actually get scripts. So you get Ooh. to see exactly what I'm sending to Marvel or what I'm sending to DC or what I'm sending to Image in terms of my comic and, and how it's written and all that sort of stuff. That's really That's cool. cool. Um, do, you get, do you actually get to pick out the scripts or do you pick for the people? What do you mean? Um, if there's a script that you're interested in, uh, can people pick uh, and choose a script that might be available? Well, you can comment. Uh, so you get to go through all the archives. So there's already like 
think eight or nine scripts up there. And uh, I take requests as well. So ah. if a bunch of people want to see a particular one, as long as the book's been published already, I won't publish yes. stuff that hasn't come out yet. But like Thunderbolts 1 and 2 are already up there so people can read those and get a, you know, compare the side by side with the printed book versus what I wrote to John to draw. So, you know, stuff like that. Sometimes I'll talk about revisions or changes that were made from initial idea through to final you know, published version and stuff so if again if you're a process junkie you'll probably find that really useful um, I love I'm on Twitter and I chat a lot on Twitter people ask me questions about comics I talk a lot about role playing games and board games because I'm a big gamer I love um, video game all that stuff so I'm on Twitter yammering quite a bit and uh, otherwise I do quite a few conventions most of them in North America uh, in a few weeks, I'll be in San Diego Comic-Con. I don't have a table, but I'm going to be on panels and signing and stuff like that. I'll be at Gen Con in Indianapolis doing role-playing game stuff for the official Dungeons & Dragons comic, and I have a table there. I'll be at Fan Expo Canada and then um, New York Comic-Con, it looks like. Mm-hmm. Very cool. cool. Well, thank right. you again for jumping on and uh, chatting with us tonight. It's been awesome to have you. Well, thank you guys for having me, and I uh, really appreciate the support on my work. So uh, please keep reading and, and tell your friends about what I'm doing. Oh, most we'll have to get oh, We'll have to get you. you back once uh, Glitter Bomb drops and there's yes. a few issues, and we can get back and have you chat about that a bit more. That would be awesome. That would be my pleasure. Yeah. In fact, I know a script already I'm going to be requesting. <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay, guys, as is our usual deal, it's time for us to talk about what we've been reading, opening up our short boxes, physical or digital, and just talking about what's been on our eye this week. So I think me and Tab can start this thing off just because um, I feel like we're going to talk about the same thing. Just, you know, just a quick rundown of of the continuous and never-ending afterbirth um, that's coming from DC Comics right now. Which has been really, really good. Uh, I've got to say, so far, consistently good. Yes, it's been uh, really, really good. Uh, there's a couple books that I'm starting to get a little disinterested in, but overall, uh, it's it's a very, very, very strong, strong rebirth for DC. All right, let's hear it. what's uh, what's on the bottom of your of your list right now. I'm not starting to feel Green Arrow as much. Green Arrow, it started off really strong, and I was like, this is actually... And now, keep in mind, I've never cared about Green Arrow a day in my life. I've never been a fan of the character. Um, so when it started off, and I was actually really enjoying it, I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. But now it's starting to get to the point again where it's not bad. I'm not saying it's bad. It's not bad. It's just I'm not enjoying it as much as I am other Rebirth titles. And so that one's kind of... I'll, I'm still going to read it every week or every time it drops, but it's kind of on the bottom of my Rebirth list. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Aquaman. Aquaman is also really... I actually like Aquaman, but once again, it's not amazing. It's also kind of at the bottom yeah. of my Rebirth list. Yeah. Not as good uh, as uh, the previous series. No. Yeah. It, it's it's hard. I mean, it, like like Tab said, it's still pretty good. I mean, this... I think issue three, yeah, it was issue three that dropped. It was, it was still pretty good, but, you know, when there's stuff like Batman and and Superman and we had the Hellblazer rebirth, we had, yes. you know, when a new series also starts the, the same week, it's kind of like, well, I got this fresh new thing versus something that's I've already read a few issues of. 
and Hellblazer was just dope. It was awesome. It was it was Hellblazer. It wasn't like the past Constantine title with the new Fifty Two, or sort of. It felt more super heroic. This was sort of just like John. He goes to London. He's like talking trash to a demon, um, just being the guy he is. Yeah, it definitely felt like they got back to their roots, and so I'm very glad this one was titled Hellblazer and not, you know, Constant, like you said, New 52, yeah. Constantine, etc., yeah. which wasn't necessarily bad. I still enjoyed those runs, but like you said, we're very super heroic. This one, not so much. It kind of had sort of that vertigo feel to it. Um, Minus those weird skulls they used to censor. Yeah. That was funky, but I whatever. I gotta admit, for a way to censor a comic, though, that was well done. I thought, I thought, okay, this is a cool way to censor the book. I, they should have just, appreciate they should have had like cigarettes instead of skulls. Oh, <laughs> I don't true. think they can do that. Yeah, because then they're promoting smoking to children. Yeah, God forbid. So, yeah. But they're sort of saying like smoking's like cursing. So, uh, ah, but I touche. mean, what kind of kids picking this up anyway? I'm pretty sure every parent who saw the cover <laughs> of this was like, no, you're gonna get this going. thing. Well, then again, though, I don't know. They're letting kids buy, you know. You know, Black Ops Three and stuff, and little ten-year-olds are playing that. So you never know. One thing I think you and I both talked about earlier, um, before we started recording, was just the art. Um, you know, it's kind of different, but uh, I can I can deal with it. Yeah, it's it's different, but it's not bad. I've seen worse Hellblazer yeah. art, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, it's it's not bad by any means. It just takes some getting used to, I guess. Um, yeah. Which fair enough. All in, you know, Flash. I kind of feels the same way. I love Flash, and I I like the art in Flash. Don't get me wrong, but once again, it's one of those books that kind of takes a little bit of getting used to. But once you do, you're like, oh, this is actually kind of cool. Yeah, Batman and Superman were really good as well. I thought with issue three, well, Batman was. Um, I like that we got the origin story of Gotham and yes, Gotham Girl. It's pretty sweet, uh, and it's it just tied in really nicely. I thought it was a really nice. Uh, it's continuing the storyline, but it felt like a one and done kind of. Mm-hmm. And a deal, so yeah. that was really nicely done. And Superman was just, oh my god, I can't wait for the next issue. Yeah, there's some crazy the, stuff happened between Superman and Action Comics. They're uh, they're both pretty yeah. incredible books, it, and that's coming from yeah. someone that's never cared about Superman really either a day in his life. And yeah. I'm blown away by those. And I guess the last thing we can talk about, um, I actually haven't read Green Lantern, so I don't know what's going on there. Ah, uh, it's still good, still good, still good. Okay, yeah, I gotta check that good. out. Um, Justice League was good as well. It's got like this huge scope feeling, like there's gonna it's gonna be this huge epic, mm-hmm. massive battle, and then Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, which was my hit yes, of the week. I agree with you. It's my big hit of surprise. The week well. Yeah, huge um, surprise. Yeah, this is like I don't know. Batgirl's been sort of like this weird hipster kind of thing lately, and I wasn't really feeling it. But this was like, yeah, I like this. You know, she's teaming up with uh, Dinah Lance. Somebody's taking over the Oracle name. Wondering who I'm sure it's like I just like Damien just like typing away like it's just like, <laughs> you just jump for him. <laughs> that would be funny. But yeah, it's uh what'd you think, Tab? No, uh, I was blown away. I actually saved it for last, um, because I truly did not think that I was going to enjoy it. Um so I was kinda like, ah, I'll get around to it when I get around to it. And I finally got around to it. Uh, I think it was last night, actually, I messaged you and I said, oh my God, have you read this yet? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it was incredible. I could not believe it. I actually was blown away and I wanted more and I was actually kind of mad that I now have to wait, you know, another month or whatever it is before I, I get to continue this title. Yep. 
so it's definitely my sleeper hit of the week and one that I'm very excited about to see if that momentum continues. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, I think I think we've jabbed enough about Afterbirth. Uh, once again, if uh, just read Batgirl and the Birds of Prey if you can. Um, I think it's going to be one to look out for, absolutely. And it just got me excited for the Batgirl ongoing because I'm sure that'll be, hopefully it'll be just as good. And there was a little bit of a homage, I guess you could say, to the killing joke. Yes. So I thought that yeah. was kind of cool. Yeah, that's, uh, speaking of the killing, no, let's not go there. Um, <laughs> I'm sure some people haven't seen that yet, so. Yeah. That's not, uh, uh, yeah. Red, uh, Red, why don't you tell us what's going on over at um, our favorite uh, independent company? All right, so this week I got from Image Comics after the cape. You guys familiar with that, gentlemen? I am not. No, uh, no, but do tell. Yes, well, it's brought to us by... Uh, Dialogue by Howard Wong and plot was written by Jim Valentino, illustrated by Mark Rudy and lettered by Ed Dukenshire. And I say Jim Valentino, he really did a great job with this story. It's uh, written and drawn very much like in a Kirkman Walking Dead issued style. Issues from 2007, so it's a little bit older. And basically in this issue we have our main character, Cassidy, who is a superhero who is also an alcoholic. And throughout the series, he basically gets kicked off of his superhero team because of his alcoholism, because the team's always busy either trying to save him or fix the problems that he's creating uh, in his heroing duties. But he also has a side job where he's a criminal, and he works with a team, Robin Banks, and his superpower is basically he can control gravity. And so when he goes into a bank, he can make everybody just very heavy, and they just lay on the ground, and they can't do anything. So he goes in, robs banks, but the team is frustrated with him because of his alcohol problem. Now, his wife has no idea about his superhero identity or his criminal activity. She thinks he just works in a warehouse. And, of course, that job doesn't even really exist. But towards the end of this um, issue, he gets a mysterious call from a stranger, basically telling him that he's going to do a job for him. And if he doesn't, his wife and kids are in danger. So naturally, Cassie agrees to meet up with him, and the issue kind of ends off right there. And I'm really looking forward to uh, picking up issue two. And kind of, actually, I have the whole series. I, I need to um, sit down and read them. They is really, really well written, and some really good artwork in there. You know, like good examples, like uh, in the back, there's like two little panels from an artist. One of them. Him looking in the mirror, you know, kind of all drunk, hung over, and looking like crap, looking in the mirror at the superhero self of himself. Then another one of a villain lighting a cigarette inside of a coffin that's obviously been buried underground. <laughs> it's just some amazing artwork, a lot of good storytelling, and I, I recommend that. Pick up After the Cape, everyone. I think you'll really enjoy it. You can probably find it in your local dollar bin. Nice. It sounds pretty cool. It is. How you, are you how'd you find this little uh hidden gem I guess this was in my uh big lot that I got uh on Father's Day my 1400 oh, cool. issue uh image comic book lot for seven cents a piece <laughs> and I've finally gotten through it all got them all uh organized alphabetically and so like oh okay I actually have a full run of this this is sweet. The uh, magical land you live in where you're getting comics for insanely low prices all the time. 
it pays to be the Red Skull. <laughs> Anyways, pick it up, everyone. After the cape, highly recommend it. Nice cover, black and white cover with a gentleman holding a red cape. Now, Rusty, what have you got for us today? All right, so I have something that you will probably see later on in the show, but I have Fantastic Four 2011, okay? Oh. Wait, 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 no Silver Surfer? Uh, it's, uh, I have Fantastic Four 211, and yeah, no Silver Surfer for once. It is wow. just Yeah, it, it's weird, right? It, but it, don't get me wrong, it is still something to do with the cosmic universe in Marvel, okay? Because Fantastic 211, if you did not know, is the first appearance of Terax. Mm. Yeah, and as you know, Terax came out uh, first to be the replacement for Fire Lord as Galactus's Herald. This was an interesting issue because I've never read it before. I didn't really know much about Terax to begin with. And um, I felt like I learned a lot. But it starts off with the Fantastic Four um, being challenged by Galactus to find him a new Herald. And if they don't find him a new Herald, then Earth is destroyed. Okay? Hmm. So... If you want to blame anyone for Galactus eating planets, blame the Fantastic Four because they bet the Earth that they could find a herald for Galactus. Of okay? course. Yeah. Read Richard's responsibility. They even address it. Ben Grimm in the issue is like, this is all your fault, Reed. Why'd you even agree to do this? And Reed's just like, I didn't know it would come to this. And it's like, dang, Reed, you messed things up. But just a little bit, just a little bit. But we have them, you know, sent off to another planet by Galactus. And all they know is on this planet, they need to, they have the herald that Galactus wants. Now, they find come across some people kind of uh, uh, Planet of the Apes style where they're running away and they're like, what are you doing? You need to run. They're going to find us. And then. <laughs> They find them, and it come to find out it's Terax's people or whatever, and um, they get presented to Terax. And hmm. Terax is sitting there, and he's like, "Look, I am the keeper of this planet. I make sure everything goes well. I enslave whoever I feel like. I'm a bad person, but I like Sue Storm. He likes Sue Storm. <laughs> okay, and that's when oh. it gets a little bit weird, but um." He's like, yeah, you know, I think that I will give y'all a chance not to suffer if Sue Storm will be my slave, whatever that means. And, um, yeah, it's kind of, kind of weird. But, um, Sue's like, no. And then Ben's like, no. Why are you talking to him that way? You know, typical Ben Grimm fashion. He's like, whoa, you think you could do this, but you can't do this. I'm not going to allow it. Kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Typical Ben Grimm. And, uh, the thing is, is that, uh, Reed Richards kind of comes off as a, uh, poo nanny in this. And it's like, no, we're just going to let things happen the way they're supposed to happen. It's like, no, Reed, that is your wife. Or your future wife, or whatever it is. I don't know if they're married at this point or not. 
But you uh, you need to do something, Reed. Not just let Ben fight all your fights. Yeah. And um, so they come forward and they try to fight Terax in his pleasure throne room thing. I don't know how to describe it. It's like a pleasure room, I guess, because he's just laying out and there's a women everywhere. And it's kind of weird for 1979. Yeah. I'm going to say mm. it. It's a little risque. Um, he has pleasure slaves, I guess. Nah, I wouldn't say it's too risque for 79. You think so? It's not like something that could be in the 90s. No, no, no. I'm taking it back. Earlier than that. Yeah, yeah. No, not for 79. It's not too risque. No, okay. Well, I'm going to take the, uh, the man who lived through it's word. Um... <laughs> What, how old were you in that again? You were like, what, 50-something, right? <laughs> yeah, something about that. Something about that. But, um, yeah, so he comes and tries to fight him, or Ben tries to fight Terax, and Terax is unsuccessful. And then all of a sudden, Galactus intervenes. And hmm. he scoops him up, and he's like, you shall be my herald. And he's like, but no, I don't want to be. And then he's defeated. And uh, he realizes he has to be. And that's when Terax is transformed and has the power cosmic, gains his axe or whatever, that he's like, look, the two heralds before you have defied you, so why can't I? And he tries to defy Galactus, and Galactus is like, nope, I'm prepared this time. And uh, stops him. He's like, look, I can make you into anything I want. And he turns Terax into a worm. And mm. then he disintegrates him into nothing. And then he turns him back into Terax. And he's like, if you want to suffer this over and over and over again, do not defy me. And then Terax is like, okay, I'll do it. And then, yeah, Terax just willingly, super, super willingly, really, really fast is like, I will be your herald. Even though I don't know anything about you. I don't know anything about your purpose. I don't know what you do. I just don't want to die. And Terax comes off to be really kind of a scumbag. I mean, he already came off to be a scumbag before, but he comes off to be more of a scumbag in this to mm. where he's like, I don't care what you do. I will just help you in any way possible. Your wish is my command. And um, yeah, that's really how the issue ends, except uh, there's one I want to read 212 now just because of this. They say that a champion comes back in Terax and two uh, gods or whatever, I guess you would say, uh, clash and are going to fight. And I still haven't looked up what 212 is exactly, but I'm kind of curious now. Hmm. Who could it be? Who could it be? 1979. Probably. Let's see here. It looks like it's Galactus and the Origin of the Sphinx. Sphinx, okay. Sphinx is pretty cool. They talked about Sphinx yeah. a little bit in this issue. I don't really know a whole lot about Sphinx, but I'm sure that Sphinx is cool. Oh, this is a different Sphinx. That's right. Yeah, DC. That's what I'm thinking of. It's a different Sphinx. Weird. Yeah, I didn't even think put that together when I said that. Yeah. Marvel and DC both had their own. That seemed to happen a lot back then, though, right? Yeah, Thanos, that is Darkseid, true. Darkseid, Quicksilver, uh, Flash, uh... Can we go on? We can go on and on and on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that's going to wrap up my review.
All right, everyone. You've heard the uh, music, and you know what time it is. It feels like it's been forever. I'm here with uh, Red Skull, and we're going to do another pulling ads. I mean, how long has it been, Red? It's, gosh, it feels like it's been forever, hasn't it? I mean, it feels... I mean, I don't know if we do this enough or what the deal is, but... It feels like we don't do it enough. Exactly, and you know, we have to start doing it more or something... Because I need to get my ads fixed. I'm sitting here reading old issues, and I just want to talk about things. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, no, definitely. So, let's kick this off. You know, those who have not listened to this before, let me explain how things work. Me and Red Skull have pulled a personal issue from our collection and we flipped through it and we found something that we like that's advertisement or something from it that just brings back that nostalgia kick that thing that just we have to talk about and i'm gonna let red start off first what do you got for us man well i randomly went into my box and i mean i randomly i just like pulled out the very first thing and i pulled out from image comics the max issue number eight Coming to us from May of 1994. Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, as we know, Image doesn't always have a lot of ads. But believe it or not, this one actually had a few in it. One of them that really caught my eye. And I'm just, I got to read it off. All right. So it starts off, are you shunned by your peers? Rejected by loved ones? Hated by dogs and small children? Things may not look bleak, but fear not. There is a cure. Join today, and in just a few short weeks, you'll be the coolest person to you know. You'll receive the style and t-shirt, plus an exclusive button and a quarterly newsletter with all the latest image news and special sneak previews, 365 days of coolness for measly 15 bills. How cool is that? Pretty cool. It is. Just send $15 to the Image Fan Club out in Anaheim, and you get this cool white t-shirt. With uh, it's got the green image logo on top, and underneath then it has a picture of you know some of the uh, let's see we got Savage Dragon Spawn and some of the Young Bloods, and underneath it says Comics Fan Club. And you know I can't make out that has a little signature panel down there, but I'm telling you it has to be Life Field because the Life Field, you know how he does that his signature in the uh, goldish yellow squares. Yeah, and he only he doesn't sign Rob or R or anything. He no. only signs Lightfield. And you can't make out the signature, but it's got that that same little square, and it's covering a foot. It's covering a foot. <laughs> it's covering a foot. Oh no! So that just tells me, oh, this must be a Lightfield drawing on the shirt. He's got to get. He's got to cover those feet, man. He's I'm like, you know what? Feet are important. I can totally do it, but. Let me just put this in front of the feet. Yeah, and I'm I'm looking at uh, Spawn here. He's facing forward, but he's got that uh, chest like the uh, you know that Captain America that Lifefield drew. Yeah, totally. Yes, it has one of them. But I just think it's funny. You'll be the coolest person you know <laughs> because you get the shirt and a button and a newsletter. <laughs> but you know, for fifteen bucks for the shirt, it's probably not too bad. You know, I don't I, want a shirt. I'm sorry. I would still want a Lifefield shirt. You would. <laughs> All right. He can put feet on it, no feet on it. He can put boobs on Captain America, whatever. <laughs> Legs that go down to here to eternity. Yeah, exactly right. He can bend in a weird way. It's fine with me. Yeah. Uh, so what do you got for us today? Okay. So 
for my issue, I have Fantastic Four 211. And I did you ever collect Fantastic Four? I know you've collected a lot of different things over the past, but I don't know if you've ever collected Fantastic <laughs> Honestly, Four. Honestly, I never collected Fantastic Four. You know, I've read the stuff off of uh, Comicology and you know, some of the tie-ins for Fantastic Four, but I never collected the series. Really? For, yeah, for some reason I just never really got into it too much. Well, well, you know, I will say this. I guess just because Fantastic Four was like the flagship series for Marvel, mm-hmm. especially, you know, the 60s and 70s, there is a lot of advertisements in this issue oh. that I pulled. Like, it is ridiculous. Like, every, I would say, four, three pages, there is a double spread advertisement. Now, what year is this issue? Uh, 1979. 79 okay yeah 79 would still have a lot of ads in there you should still probably find a few twinkie ads in there too at the very back okay no there is definitely a twinkie ad in here that i thought of you whenever uh whenever i started reading through it but that is not the ad that i'm talking about maybe we'll leave that for honorable mentions the ad that i wanted to talk about okay is actually something like a throwback for us and it is on the very last page on the back of the book, okay? And it is banana talkies with a banana compass. And <laughs> Your banana talkies. I know. We've talked about banana talkies before, but it was just a little square in the spread or whatever. This is a full page back, like the back of the comic book, full color, banana talkie wait a minute rusty is this the like on the back of the book itself yes yes and, it, it, and is this the one with the two kids the boy and the girl i think it is or two boys standing on like a planet with the universe behind them you got it i think you know what i'm talking yes, about i know the, i know the ad it's a boy oh. and a girl and the girl's face looks really messed up i don't yep. understand what is going on with her face i'm sorry but uh yeah, banana, and they have capes, and they're standing out in the middle of nowhere. And what what really gets me is, you know how fruit usually have, like, a sticker on it or something when you buy it the from ch- the store? The Chiquita sticker, yep. These <laughs> the banana Takis have a sticker on it, too. I know, I know. Oh, my God, dude. I was sitting there looking at this, and I'm just like, oh, my God. How we saved the universe with our banana Takis and got back to tell about it. With our banana compasses. Yes. Ooh, gotta have that compass. It's so funny that you bring this up because um, Tap and Nova and, and I, the three of us, were actually talking about that, about the banana compass and the banana walkie-talkies today. Okay. And, you know, probably like four or five hours ago. And while we're talking about it, I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to go search for them on eBay. I want to see if I can find them on eBay. And I... Didn't find any active sales for the banana talkies, but I found a um, a set that had already been sold for twenty dollars. Twenty and bucks. I'm, twenty bucks, and I'm looking at it. I'm just like, are these the exact ones? So I go, you know, to Google and I search, you know, banana talkies. And that's where I, I saw the ad. That's why I knew about the ad that you're talking about today because I saw it earlier today. Okay. And I'm looking at the ad. And I'm looking at eBay. These are the exact ones that were in the advertisement. And I was like, holy cow, you know, but I couldn't find the compass anywhere. Really? Yeah. 
Man, I guess no one's ever getting home from the compass then. No, I guess not. No, never finding their way back. <laughs> no, but, but, but it just makes you want to get them now, you know? Yeah, no, yeah, that was the thing. Like, I see, keep seeing these advertisements. It's like, man, if I come across these somewhere, I'm totally buying these. I wonder what the sales on those things were back in the day. I don't know. Let's see here. Okay, so how to order these banana premiums. Please send me the following. The quantity of, that you want at thirteen ninety five a piece, plus three stickers from the Chiquita Bananas for each walkie-talkie set ordered. So you have to collect the stickers, plus send 14 bucks. Well, that's easy. You know, just Typically, the, uh, the, a bunch of bananas at least has one, if not two, on there. Exactly. And then the compass... <laughs> is 250 plus three stickers from the Jaquita Bananas for each. Oh, same same amount of stickers, huh? Yeah, but you it's less money. Yeah. Yep, so you better be eating your bananas. That's right. Stay healthy, <laughs> kids. See, now you wouldn't now it would have something like minions on it. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> I could see minions or something Pixar or something. Yeah, yep. Yep. But uh, I'm just so curious what the sales on those things were because those ads ran for a while. Yeah, they did. They totally did. Which tells you that they obviously did did well. They went from a small square in a full spread random, you know, the thing where you can gain weight, you can jump higher, you can do this, to a full page ad on the back of a comic. So they must have not been too bad. Yeah. Yeah. So if any of you listeners out there have purchased this in the past, let us know. We would really like to know. And if you still got them, send some pics. Send a pic of your banana walkie-talkie. Please. So, and your compass. <laughs> so, Red, do you have any honorable mentions for us? Well, in the ad, it just uh, so happens there was another T-shirt order in here. And that was Wear the Max. And you can wear a Max versus Pitt shirt and artwork by Sam Keith. And you have your choice of actually two different designs. And I'm going to tell you, the artwork is just crap. I'm, oh, so, I'm sorry, Sam. But I'm just looking at this like, really? Maybe 94 was pretty cool. Because I'm looking at this guy. He's like, he must have went to the Life Little School of Art. Because this guy's feet, put it this way, his head is almost the size of the guy's big toe. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, that's how big this guy's feet are. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, whoa, where do they come up with these dimensions? Rob Liefeld. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they got oh. the, they're like, Rob, how do you draw these feet? Well, you see, I don't draw them. That's oh how my it works. Gosh. Sam Keith's signature is the exact same type of, uh, gold square design that uh, Liefeld uses. It's horrible. Horrible. Yeah. Holy cow. Uh, So what kind of honorable do you got for us today? Okay. So my honorable mention, I have two. Okay. One is just for you. And this is the only reason. I would only have one, but this one is too much to pass up. Captain America versus Professor Sneer in the Twinkies ad. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And it is a full-page ad about, it's like a comic strip, like, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a, it's a page out of a comic. And it's Captain Marvel flying onto a ship, 
and stopping Professor Sneer, I guess, from destroying the sun. Okay? He's shooting a laser. And the way that he stops him from destroying the sun, he's like, well, you'd better do it fast. I set the sun killer ray on automatic. And he's like, Professor, just taste this delicious hostess Twinkies cake. Mm. And then he tastes it, and then he's like, I don't want to destroy the sun anymore. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love those Twinkie ads. They're so corny and cheeseball. You just got to love them. You know, what what I can't get out is, like, when he hands him the Twinkies or whatever, he has them in the hand, and he takes a bite, and there's, like, his tongue sticking out of his mouth, and he's like, mmm. He's, like, (laughs) making noises and stuff, and it's like, oh, my God, what is he doing? He looks so ridiculous. And then the very next, like, panel, it's, like, shows him with, like, Twinkie full in his mouth, and he's, like, trying to talk and stuff. Mm -hmm. And while uh, Captain Marvel is like, the sun is still in business. And so are our hostess Twinkies cakes. And then it ends it ends ad. <laughs> oh sweet. I love it. Absolutely love it. Yep. But my other honorable mention, okay, is for it's only for Earthlings. So I'm sorry, any of you aliens out there, but this is not for you, okay? And um free gold colored Cylon Centurion leader from Battlestar Galactica. Ooh. Ooh. Seems pretty cool, right? That is cool. Especially when you find out that it's four inches tall and poseable. And it's that... from Mattel, actually. Which is even cooler. Mattel puts that... out some good stuff. Oh my gosh, that takes me back. You know, uh, when I was a kid, you know, I used to live in California, go to Universal Studios, and they had a ride which isn't there anymore. They changed it for Earthquake. But anyways, you were on like your tram, and then all of a sudden, before you know it, you're in a um, battle, and you got the Centurions everywhere, and you know they got the eyes going back and forth, and you hear the sound effects, and they're shooting guns, and you got to make sure you don't get hit. God, I love Battlestar Galactica back in the That's day. That's cool. That's cool. It was. I will say the only thing that is a mistake on the comic part is that it is on the reverse side of the cover, mm-hmm. and it has a cutout at the bottom of it. So to get this, you would have to cut a chunk out of the bottom. No. Um, don't cut your comments don't yeah, do it don't do it don't you will be making a mistake by cutting especially because this is the first appearance of terax don't do it see but the thing though in 79 nobody cared about those first appearances too much that's true it's I not guess. like it was today no but earth friends your eyes do not deceive you the cylon centurion figure really is gold colored not silver and he really can be yours. So if you're sending it away, obviously there's a chance it could not be yours. <laughs> <laughs> Until your big brother steals it or your little brother breaks it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, do you have anything else for us or is this call or we calling it quits? I think that is quits until next month. Stay All tuned. All right. Stay tuned. Until next time. Red Skull and I will be seeing you later. And we're going to move on to something else.
yeah, let's do it. All right, everyone. So we just got done talking about San Diego Comic-Con. So that's going to lead us into this next subject, which is pros and cons. And what are we going to discuss? Well, the pros and cons of nothing else but cons, conventions, all right? That's what we're going to discuss, the pros and cons of conventions. Um, obviously, I think the pros are pretty obvious. You get to meet people that you've always wanted to meet and shake their hand and say thank you for writing this book or drawing this book. Um, nowadays, and this could be a con for some people, you got the the celebrities, the media, the actors, the actresses, the directors, etc. Um, that you can also go out and meet. Uh, which, like I said, could be a con. Is that a con for you guys? The, do you guys prefer a con to be strictly artists, writers, uh, inkers, etc.? No, I want to mix. No I, I don't. I don't care. Have the celebrities there. I probably wouldn't see them, but they can. Like, I wouldn't be like offended. No, you know what? I like. I like having a mix. I go to the cons, even if there's the celebrities. Uh, depending on what it is, you know, I'm not going to stand two hours in line um, yeah. for a celebrity. I will typically uh, pick and choose and wave my way through them uh, and see what's going on, who's lying short. And, you know, there's so many celebrities that are just kind of sitting there picking their nose. It's like nobody's coming to visit me. That's the time that I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to go say hello to them. I'm going to ask. You know, I don't – I may only I may barely know the person, not know them at all, or I know them, and I'm just going to at least go up and talk to them because, hey, you know what? I paid money for this ticket. I'm going to go get my money's worth. I'm going to go talk to that uh, actor and actress and learn something about them. Yeah, and I I would agree with you there. I would say uh, that's why I kind of – well, I already kind of planned on meeting Ming Chen here this last year, but his line was pretty short. He was right <clears throat> next to Jason Mewes, and Jason Mewes' line was like, you know, extensively long. Um, and Ming's really wasn't, um, so I was like, you know what, I'm going to cut it, I was planning on meeting him anyway, but I was like, I'm going to come in here and I'm going to go meet, uh, Ming Chen. Mm -hmm. And so I went and because his line was shorter, like they take more time with you. It doesn't feel as rushed because they're not trying to get through a long line of people. Um, so you might get a few more minutes or interaction with that person as well, which, you know, for us and Ming, we did. I also met DMC that way. I just happened to be walking by. I knew DMC was going to be there, but I hadn't seen his booth at all. And me and my wife were just walking by, and I looked over. I go, oh, my God, that's DMC. <laughs> and she was like, well, go talk to him. I go, should I? Like, I got like a little giddy, like schoolgirl. Dare I? <laughs> yeah, because here's like this, this guy that I grew up listening to his music, you know, in the 80s and 90s. And I'm like, it's, it's DMC. Like, and I did. he was yeah. such a cool guy. Super, super cool guy as well. Um and he's writing comics now, which is actually why mm -hmm. he was there. No, nope. uh, but yeah, there's a lot of a lot of media, you know, actors and actresses and stuff. Um, I'm mainly there for the the artists and the writers and that kind of stuff. I'm not really there for the. I could care less about cosplay, to be quite honest with you. Um, cosplay could not even exist, and I'd be okay with it. Like I don't yeah. care about cosplay. He's putting his I cosplay. I cosplay. <laughs> You got the sex criminals thing going, so I, I, that's right. I got, I got my thong, I got my whip, and I got the dildo. I am good to go. Yes, <laughs> yeah, and the camo thong. Um, yes, but yeah, I, I, I don't care about cosplay. It doesn't offend me, like Nova said. You know, if you're there, I don't care. It doesn't offend me uh, no. by any stretch of the imagination. But um, 
I'm a little bit of a purist, though. Like, I feel, I don't know. There's some people that were there that have nothing to do with comic books. And I'm like, why are you here? Yeah, you you do run into some of that. You you do. You were invited. I I get it. You were invited. But I don't know why you're here. Like, I don't know. And then they charge outrageous prices. So here's a con for me, okay? The prices that people charge for autographs and photo ops. I that's understand. that's a con for the con. Y- yes, that's a oh. con for the con. I oh, I got a young Padawan. I've got to teach you a few tricks. I, I understand that they are not necessarily always getting. They have like a guarantee fee that they get when they attend conventions that this you know the promoters and stuff give them, and that all this other money is you know that's how they make their money. That's how they feed their children. It's, I I get it. Okay, um, but at the same time. When you're trying to charge $100 for an autograph, like William Shatner, for instance, you're trying to charge $100 for an autograph, I know that there's people out there that are more than happy to pay that money for that autograph. I am not and will never be that person. I don't care to ever meet you if you're charging me $100 to shake your hand and sign an autograph. Like, uh... My wife, for instance, she happened to... My wife could care less about comic books, about cons or anything. She was just there just to support me and have fun. She saw that uh, in Kansas City... uh, uh, Why am I drawing a blank? Sulu from original Star Trek. Uh, George Takei. Mm -hmm. She saw that he was there, and we follow him on Facebook. He's a super funny guy. And so my wife is like, oh my god. She's like, I want to go meet him. And I go, hun, it's like 60 or 70 bucks, something like that, for an autograph. And she's like, well, I don't need an autograph. She's like, I just want to walk up to him and shake his hand and like tell him that I think he's great. And I was like, well, you can try, but they may not let you in. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. And this may not have nothing to do with George. So I'm not trying to say anything bad about him because this may have... He probably didn't even know this happened. But my wife tried to get in the line and like the staff at the con was like, you know, oh, 60 bucks or whatever it is. And my wife's like, oh, I don't want an autograph. She's like, I just want to shake his hand and, you know tell him how great he is and they were like oh sorry you can't do that move along and kind of like forced her away because she didn't want to pony up 60 bucks Uh, that may that may have just been the actor i mean uh uh, some of the experiences that i've had for instance like talking star trek garrett wong you know he was at uh, a con that i went to and you know he's back there and of course you know you have to pay the 60 bucks for the autograph and so on and so forth and there was a few people there. I was still, I waited in the line. It's like, hey, Gary, you know, hey, thank you so much for talking to a, to me on Twitter for four, four guys in a comic. How's it going? Blah, 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 blah. Did you ever read Invincible that I talked to you about? And he was like, oh, yeah, I really haven't read too many. I just got a few of it. got busy. Hey, want an autograph? Sure, yeah. It's like, here you go. Thanks, man. Boom. There you go. Um, I find a lot of times if you name drop and, and just do things that let you know that, that you, you've talked to them before and things like that. Lots of times you get the freebies that way. Look, good example, Steve Bloom for the podcast when we did that, he did that promo for us. You know, he charges, I can't remember what it was. I want to say it was something like 10 or $20 per uh, length of time for recording and, and for pictures and all that kind of stuff he charged and for autographs, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I was like, when I, name drop greg wiseman it's like oh yeah we did podcasts with greg wiseman and you know we're trying to get you on he's like oh you're not a problem you know what 
a friend of a friend of yours is a friend of mine. So, you know, he let me take a picture for free. He did that recording for us for free. And I've found that this happens a lot. It's just name dropping. It's like, hey, remember when you did this with us? Or, hey, I was talking to this other Scotty Young or whatever. And we were talking about your comic or whatever. And, oh, yeah, here, let me hook you up with an autograph. I find a lot of times just doing that kind of stuff, showing that you're kind of in the industry, helps you in many ways. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. You no, know, it really it does, and you know. But the, so I've gone into the lines myself. It's like uh, John Schneider, Dukes of Hazards, right? Loved him since I was a kid. I remember and, him better from Smallville. Yeah, and, and <laughs> yes, yeah, Smallville. Okay, Smallville. Yep. And uh, I'll tell you, you know, he was at uh, a con a couple years ago, and I just wait in line. He's like, "Hey, how you doing, John?" He's like, "Hey, what's your name? What do you what do you do?" He was asking me questions. And he's like. You know, I'm retired Navy. He's like, oh, thank you for your service so much. You know, here's here's an autograph. I normally charge, but because you're a vet, here you go. And he, he actually talked to me for a good length of time. You know, lots of times it's just kind of like, here's a signature. Here, thank you for the money. Here you go. Next. But in his case, it wasn't like that. You know, if you can actually, you know, are comfortable talking and get a dialogue going, they will sit and talk to you a lots of times. But it kind of reminds me of, you know, um, what's the guy's name? Um, oh, it's slipping my memory. The actor that played um, Darth Maul, and he also played uh, Ray Park. Yeah, Ray Park. Yeah, he also played in uh, X Men. He also played Snake Eyes. Yes. And so I'm at a con in New York, and there's a guy sitting in a booth. Nobody's around him, <clears throat> and I'm like, "Hey, you look familiar, kind of." And he's like, "Oh, I'm Ray Park. You know, I was Darth Maul. I, I got this upcoming X Men or whatever it was." And I'm like, oh, that's so cool. You know, he's British, got that British accent and everything. I ended up talking to the guy for like a half an hour. Great guy, gave me his autograph for free just because I sat and talked with him. Um, and that's what you, I find a lot of times if they're, if they're actors and actresses that are just sitting, like I said, picking their nose, bored because nobody goes to them, they will talk to you. You can, they'll learn, you can learn about them, they'll learn about you, and you can get the freebies because you spent the time with them. I can see that. And the one thing I will say, too, Ming Chen, if anybody's ever at a con and you have a chance to meet Ming, go meet him, number one. He is the nicest guy at a con. Like, he tries, even when he does it, he tries to spend, like, five-plus minutes with each person that he interacts with. Um, But he will also tell you, hugs and handshakes are always free. I didn't spend a dime to meet the guy. I just waited in line. All I wanted to do was shake his hand, say hello, nice to meet you. And we also ended up getting him on the podcast as well. Mm-hmm. But he, uh, yeah, he was like, no, hugs and handshakes are always free. Like, come on down. He goes, I'm, you know, stories are free. He's like, I'm always down to talk. And so he was really, really cool. Uh, but it's just some of those bigger names, I guess, like mm-hmm. I said. Oh, my, my funniest, I, I'm, I'm sure I may have mentioned this before in the past. I can't remember or not. One of my favorite con stories, you know, I'm with a, uh, I get to the con early when the first of the door, there's a, a, with a couple of other guys waiting in line to uh, get some autographs. And, you know, this was one of those uh, smaller cons out in New York. It was, I didn't remember the name of it. You know, it, the, the actors and actresses had small little, you know, 
tables with no barriers or anything. They're just kind of like all stacked up next to each other. And so go up to the table like, oh, my God, there's David Carradine. I've got to meet David Carradine, talk to him and get his autograph and all that kind of stuff. Go up to his table. The dude was sound asleep, crashed out, passed out hard <laughs> at his table, you know, uh-huh. and we're all just standing around. And I, 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 just, I had to look at the guys and I'm like, do we dare wake Mr. Kung Fu up? And everybody's kind of like shrugging their head. And Lou Ferrigno, he's all like, he's a pussy. <laughs> he's a pussy willow, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Don't worry, he's a he won't, he won't harm you. And I, I what, did, what, did, what, did, what did Lou Ferrigno say? Like, I could take that pebble from his hand. <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> so we ended up going to Lou and talked to him for a little while, got his autograph and stuff. But I thought that was hilarious. But uh, yeah, pros and cons of it. Get to meet a lot of great people. Sometimes they force you to pay, but sometimes you can work your way around it. Okay, so Nova, pros and cons for you. Do you have any pros? And All right, cons? so I got an exclusive Canadian con. Um, it's that they're not. There isn't as much of them here. They're all in the states. So that's my con. <laughs> in Toronto, <though>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's like once a year, like one single con I can go to. Okay, within a driving within a reasonable radius. I'm the same way though for the most part. <laughs> um, most of the cons in my area are the closest ones about two and a half hours, which isn't bad. But there's only like two, three maybe that I can go to. There's not a whole lot in my area either without having to drive eight yeah. plus hours. If I want to drive the, eight hours or more, there's a lot. But I know that this year's showing was pretty weak as well for Toronto Comic Con. Um, unless you're a big Liefeld fan because he was like the main attraction. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the only other thing that I can think of just based on what I've heard from, from other people is that apparently there's usually like pretty good deals if you want to pick up some or there's maybe not good deals but there's a lot of places you could go to if you've been looking for that one old comic that you really want um your chances of finding it are infinitely larger well that's no that yes and no yeah you can find the comics a lot better because there's more comics to choose from. But I find that cons is in one of the two extremes. You can find that comic for three times more than what it's worth, or you can find it for three times less than it's worth. It's right. always an extreme. Yep. It's, that's, that's, yeah. see, see. that's been my experience as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I love going to the cons where, you know, there's a huge area. You know, the guy buys out four spaces, and there's nothing there but, you know... 300, 400, 500 short boxes filled with dollar comics. So that, that's like, oh my gosh, yes, thank you. <laughs> I had one where they were selling long boxes. Uh, you could have as many comics as you can fit in a long... You gotta pick. Like You could sit there all day long and choose your long box, and then they'd put all the comics into a long box for you. And mm-hmm. I think it was like 75 bucks for a long box, something like that. Yeah, yeah sounds about... Yeah. Box. Yep. And I mean, because the long box without bags and boards, you're looking at like what, three hundred comics? Uh, a little bit more. I think it's closer to five. Yeah, and you know, you got it for seventy-five bucks. Um, mm-hmm. That's pretty epic. And the fact that they let you pick and choose, and they—I was extremely <clears throat> interested, but I was like, I, my wife would kill me if I sat here all day long digging through comics. <laughs> I, I have learned a long time ago: you go by yourself on day one. <laughs> Yeah, 
I think my wife learned that same lesson. <laughs> <laughs> Love my wife, but the first Comic Con I took her to, she was bored <laughs> because I spent time looking at comics. And... Yeah, well, my wife I think enjoyed day one. She did not mm-hmm. enjoy day two and three. Mm-hmm. Day one, she had a lot of fun and she was like meeting people and like promoting the podcast, you know, and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Uh, but yeah, it was. Yeah, I think that's one thing I actually really do enjoy about cons is, you know, I do my cosplay, get my Red School stuff going on, got my mask, you know, and I'm out there and it's just endless pictures and people wanting to pose with me and I'm handing out four guys in the comic cards and just going to town having fun, you know, just taking pictures and acting out scenes with Captain Americas and Bucky's and all sorts of other people. But, you know, I had an idea. Nova, why don't we do this? Why don't we get all of our listeners who are listening and get them to, you know, go to uh, fourguysinacomic.com, click on that PayPal donate button, donate some money to Four Guys in a Comic, and we raise some money to have a Canadian Comic Con hosted by Four Guys in a Comic. (laughs) So (laughs) for you guys listening out there, help support your Canadians. Help them out. You know, give them some love. Let's get a Comic-Con for them. You only need to donate oh, $100,000, but hey. No big deal. Actually, I was looking into it. I, I can actually get a con running if I had a minimum of seven to $10,000. I've been looking into it for a long time. But we, if we did it in Canada, though, we got to get us three to Canada. You know, you, me, and Rusty. Amtrak. <laughs> Nova, Nova will meet us at the border. <laughs> yeah. Let's take a nice drive back. There we go. But yeah, I mean, uh, I know we have like Toronto Comic Con and then there's Fan Expo. But that seems, I don't, that could be fun. It could be fun. I think Stan Lee's going to be there this year in September, but yeah. I don't know. He said that New York Comic Con was going to be his last. And I don't know if that's his I last, know, very last con or s- very last New York Comic Con. Yeah, and I've been seeing like flyers for this fan expo in September with his name plastered all over them. Oh, that's cool. So I just, I'm not sure. He is one of the few people that I will pay the 100, 120, 150 bucks to stand in the line for two hours to go meet and get his autograph and picture. I don't know. What do you guys, would you guys do that with for Stanley? I was at a convention with Stanley and I refused to wait in line for that long. Really? Not only that, I'm not a patient person, first of all, <laughs> but you also had to pay, I think, for the Stan Lee experience is what they were calling it. I I want to say it was, and Slayer can correct me on this if I'm wrong, so tweet it out, Slay. Um, 200 or 300, it's either two or $300 uh-huh. is what you had to pay. I think it was 300 um, and then you got to like, you got a VIP pass to get you into the con and then you got to meet Stan Lee mm-hmm. and then you got to go wait in line for his panel. Now I will tell you this. I went and saw three other panels and while I was seeing three other panels that were each over an hour long, those people were waiting in line the entire time for Stan Lee's panel that wasn't happening for another few hours. They were all like literally camped out like you're waiting for a Star Wars movie along the wall. 
just to see Stan Lee's panel. Well, and I'm like, I can't. Well, number one, you guys are missing the con. The con's going on out here, and you guys are completely <laughs> missing it. And I'm I'm not a patient person. I can't camp out and wait like that. It's <laughs> not in my nature. Oh, I just love do doing a Stan that. Con. He yeah, should just really. have his own comic. He should he just have his, have his own, own comic. He does. Oh, it's called Stanley's uh, Kamikaze in California. Yeah, that's right. The Kamikaze. That's right. Yep. Stanley has his own con. It's Stanley's Kamikaze. But I would stand in line. I would wait for him. I'd have a $100 bill in my hand, and I'd be like, get up there. Hey, Stan, here's an extra 100 bucks. Can you quickly do a four guys in a comic promo spot for us? Okay. If I, if I was doing it for the podcast, I would do it. <laughs> like, if I was, like, going, like, being a correspondent on the scene, I would do it. I, I'd do it, but not for Stanley. I'd do it for uh, someone else. <laughs> <laughs> and we all know who that is. Um, well, it, what, well, the reason I mentioned the Stan Con is because... Sorry, I'm going to go into a little Graham... Did, maybe I talked about this. Uh, Graham Morrison actually had his own con. One time. He's, he said he'd never do it again. And he said it was just a bunch of like crazy hipsters. People got married there. Other people were getting like tattoos at this con. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, uh, I think he's the only one I'd pay $100 for. Yeah. I guess I I'm not, I've never been big on Marvel, so oh, Stanley's yeah, a huge yeah. legend, I know, but... Yeah. Yeah. I guess I could say this. I would say the same thing. You know, if it was Kirkman, I might do the same thing, too. Yeah. You know, and if, I, if there was, you know, some of the other founding followers of Image minus Liefeld, yes, I could do some of that, too. Oh, you think you're going to get a Liefeld... Handshake for less than a hundred now. I don't know that he's that. got now that he's got his custom unca- uh, his X Force art out and about in whatever city he plastered his garbage in. Oh, I'm not gonna shake that hand. I'll get cooties. <laughs> didn't he? Did, didn't he do that? Didn't he? He probably won't even touch you. Didn't he post a bunch of artwork in some city recently? Like it was San Diego Comic Con. Was it okay? It basically, he did a whole bunch of. Uh, uh, little drawings on a, in a spiral notebook, ripped the pages out and hid them throughout the Comic-Con for people to find. Okay, I'm not going to lie, okay? It was clever. That's, it was that's, clever. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. I know that we all have our, you know, stuff that we say about Liefeld. However, that is still a really cool thing to do because the bottom line is the man still has a ton of fans. And there's a lot of people that would love to get some original pieces from him, okay? I don't know why, but there are. There are people that would love that. And the fact that he did that for people, I think is really cool. I mean, that would be like, you know, well, Clayton Crane is more digital, but that would be like Todd McFarlane, for instance, you know, drawing a bunch of like Spider-Mans and spawns and stuff and laying them all around the con for people to find. I would be like, oh, I'm going to go find these bastards. You know what I mean? Like, it, that's a big deal. And I... I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I give props to to Mr. Liefeld for that. Um, I thought that was a pretty cool idea and a pretty unique gift for fans. Yeah, why and why he? It's his way of buying fans. Well, he's a genius. <laughs> if I could go out and leave copies of the podcast on for fans to find, oh, that's by it. God, I'm going to. Oh, that's where I'll disagree. I don't think. Are I there think. are there are there pictures online of what these drawings were? Yes, and you know what. Honestly, oh, I, God, I'm going to kick myself in the balls for saying this. Some of the drawings were actually pretty decent. <laughs> but, you know, and it, which makes me wonder, did he actually draw them? But there has this, you know, his, his typical signature right on it. And he placed them all throughout the con. And to me, it was just his way of trying to get more people to follow him. 
Okay, well, what would you do if, like, say George Perez left a bunch of... That's Toronto George Hills. Perez, though. That's, that's George Perez. Perez. That's what I'm saying, though. If it was George... If it's anybody but Liefeld, if it was George Perez, if it was Todd McFarlane, if it was uh, Scotty Young, if yeah. it was, you know, are you... And you guys are at that con. I'm not saying it's going to be the only reason why you go, but say you're at that con and they tweet out, hey, look what I'm doing. Are you going to, like... I'd be like, oh, this is awesome. I'm See, the thing this. is, like, it's kind of cool. That, it's cool that he did it. It's a cool thing he did, but, like, he takes time with his artwork, and it looks it looks how it looks. I mean, did he do, was he doing this on the spot, like, just, or did he have these prepared for a long time? The, the, you can tell they sketches. were prepared. They, no, these were sketches okay. with so okay. much detail. So they weren't quick sketches. Okay. No. I thought it was like you scribbling them on the spot and like giving them to people He's to hide. Drawing stick figures. In yeah, it's like <laughs> it was like a foot. <laughs> or like a sword. <laughs> it's like it was a blank piece of paper. <laughs> it's like how Trump like like photocopies pictures of his hand and then like circles them and say, "See, I don't have tiny hands." Like that's yeah. gonna that's gonna be life. He draws pictures of feet and then circles them and yeah. them around saying, "See, I can draw feet." I'm looking at him, and there's some pretty. There was some good ones. I mean, they're... fully inked. You know, uh, you can tell some of them took him probably the day to there's do. There's only one that's really turning me off, and it's like Deadpool holding a dagger. I guess like, there's no way that could be a sword. Um, that looks kind of, but yeah, I mean, that's pretty cool that he did that, but shame on you, Tap, for comparing him to George frickin' Perez, man, the guy. Oh, I know. How could you? I never compared him to George Perez. (laughs) In the same sentence, you're like, oh, Rob, life of George Perez? How could you? What's next, Alex Ross? What would you do? Yeah, what would you do if Alex Ross? I would be killing. I would be, yes, because it's Alex Ross. And those would be paintings. Those would be paintings. That, That is true. They would be paintings. But still, that's pretty cool. No, for, for if you're a fan of Liefeld, I'm sure this was like incentive to not talk to him and go <laughs> look for these instead. That's how he gets left alone at the He's cons. Like, oh, there's there's drawings out there, guys. Go, <laughs> go, <laughs> go find them. But go I talk forward. to you, so pay me first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, that's the thing, though. If I found one at, at the con, you know, I'll probably do a little short YouTube video of me taking the paper, putting it in a urinal, and pissing on it. And put that up on you. You like put it on the toilet roll, and you're like, that's right, this is where it belongs. Oh my god, that's it. We have a new segment called What Would Toe Do? <laughs> I love it. Oh, I love um, it. I'm going to talk to Toe and see if we can get him on next week. I want him to come on and just have like a little five-minute segment where he just goes off about what he would do if he came across Liefeld. Oh, my gosh. Yes. You know what? And I think we can get a, even more than Toe. We can get a group going. <laughs> but, We've all seen what Toe has to say in the chat and like how I, I would smack him with my dick. And like, oh, my gosh. I want to get him on just to like hear him go off. I think I think the, the just let him have fun. Yeah. yeah, just let him have some fun and like let him just vent and get it off his chest. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean, he still carries that picture of when he when Lifefield uh, defriended him on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Okay. The only reason I remember now that uh, I was slightly disturbed by Liefeld doing this was he said each of these is easily worth a thousand dollars. Yes, 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 yes. That's what got Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and no, it was, it was, yeah, it was. I mean, he values it at that. That's good. He's got, he's got confidence, but, and, and I'm just, I'm looking at the pictures now from, is this like a full page or were these like little? 
Do you guys no, know? No, they're like thinking about like four regular by six. Eight by oh, okay. Like four by six spiral notebook uh, that you oh, pick I up. See. At the, yeah. And, and like I said, they're not blank sheets of paper. They have lines through them. They're lined paper? Yes. A spiral notebook, I'm telling you. And you, you can see and it, the pages are ripped down. It has all the perforations and it's got the lines. Funky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, but that was, uh, anyone got a last pro or con about con? Uh, the last pro for me is going to be that I get to meet all these amazing creators that I've enjoyed reading over the years, and not only do I get to meet them, but we've made some excellent and amazing contacts uh, for this very podcast to have them come on and talk to us about their amazing creations and their work. So for that, that's a huge pro for me. It's got to be sort I of a... I really uh, appreciate it. It's got to be like a con in disguise as well, because if you've got like a bunch of people you know and you've read their comics and you're, oh, well, now i got to pick and choose which ones I'm bringing to get signed, because I'm not going to be lugging around so many books. Then again, I've never been to a con, so maybe it's not even worthwhile to try and get. See, my recommendation is, is if you're going to get a book signed, have it signed by in front of... Uh, CGC or CBCS grading for the extra 15 bucks. That way you can be authentic. But if you're going to get something signed, I'm old school. I like it on a blank piece of paper. And now my thing is, is I have uh, our good old buddy on the podcast, Willie Cordy. He's drawing me a nice little four guys and a lo- comic logo on this big, huge um, construction, not even construction paper. It's like a photo matting paper. And now every time I go to a con, that big, huge photo mat is going to get signed by whomever. And so I'm going to have all my artists and writers on one thing. That's really cool. Yeah. But I'm going to, I'm going to close out my thing for pros and cons. You know, pro, press passes. I love press passes. Yes. To, you know, it is just really nice. It's kind of cool to be able to get in for free and, to, you know, I'm – Brag off and show, hey, I got a press pass. <laughs> but uh, cons for me, high costs of concession stands and lack of bathrooms or bathroom spaces because you have all those cosplayers in there. Readjusting costumes, there is hardly any space and bathroom stalls get taken up for way too long because of the cosplayers. They need to have a designated area that is curtained off just for cosplayers to be able to readjust or put on and off costumes. You and your damn cosplayers. <laughs> hey, cosplaying is fun. Do it one day. You know what? Next con you go to, dress up as Bat Tap, have some fun. Yeah, it could be fun. It is. It really is. And you just, it is just some strange people taking pictures with them and talking and chatting and just acting things out. It's just fun. Yeah, I could see that, I guess. That that could be fun. I'm it just, is. Yeah, I don't know. I guess it depends on who I go with. See, but for me, it's also double. You know, it's not only me just having fun, but it's also business, because every time somebody takes a picture, they automatically get a four guys business card. So. But anyways, that's my pros and cons. Rest, uh, Rusty's missing out. Sorry, Rusty, but. Yeah. So, Nova, what's your last I don't got anything because that's it because you don't have any. Not until we raise those funds for our neighbors up north uh, and uh, throw our own con for you guys. All right, folks. Well, then there you have it. This month's pros and cons. Until then, the power is yours. Hello.
Hail Hydra! Alright guys, so you won't believe what's going to be happening for this segment. I actually got uh, just a huge pile of mail on my doorstep this morning. It was pretty annoying. Uh, my dog just decided to pee right all over it. Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, for those of you that don't know, this is the mailbag section with uh, Nova. And today, I've actually got two two of my friends, two scholars with me. Um, Tap and Red are on. Hello, hello. Hey, how's it going? And they are going to log into my Gmail account. No, I'm kidding. Um, so we've actually got a lot of questions, a lot of the same question, really, from, from our listeners. Uh, and as you guys know, last weekend was San Diego Comic-Con, which did this thing where they sort of release a bunch of trailers and get us all excited for movies that are extremely far away. And, <laughs> it's about right. <laughs> and um, basically, most of our listeners want to know what we thought of each trailer. So um, I, we're going to try and talk about as many as we can, but I think there's a few bigger ones to hit. Let's talk Doctor Strange. Oh yes, let's that talk about that one. Awesome! It yeah. looks absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, I think Mr. Benedict Cumberbatch was the perfect. Mm-hmm. As of now, obviously we still have to yet to see the movie, but I think mm-hmm. he was the perfect choice for casting. Yeah, uh, it's better than Will Ferrell. <laughs> <laughs> it looks very trippy. It almost reminds me of Inception at parts where yeah. the city is kind of folding in thing. on itself. Yeah. Uh, yes. Definitely Inception-y, uh, but not not in a bad way. I actually really liked it, it but that's kind of what it reminded me of. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very geeked for it. I still don't know how I feel about the Ancient One being Tilda Swin- Swin- Swinton. Tilda Swinton, I think her name is. I don't know how I feel about that yet. Not because, oh, it's a woman and blah, 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 blah. One, I'm just not a big fan of her as an actor. I didn't like her in Constantine or really anything else either. Um, so I don't know how I feel about that yet. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm very excited for it for sure. Marvel has not had a bomb yet, so let's hope they keep it going. Yeah, this one looks like it's going to be up there um, as one of the better ones they've done. It looks the cinema cinematography just looks outstanding in this one. Um, my only concern is is the uh, production of it. I'm just kind of worried about some of the um, casting that they did. It's just, uh, I'm, I'm iffy. I, I'm, it's the only thing I can say. It's like, why did you choose some of these? But some of these seemed like good choices. So Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Like you said, Tap, the, the special effects just look insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, even, it's like every shot, even the part where it's sort of like, they're like breaking and bending reality, and it looks like they're walking through a glass slash. Yes. Just oh, super was, cool. Yeah, that was so cool. It's like, oh. Or, or like who is who is um i think his name is meds mickelson who is he supposed to be i was wondering the same thing it was the like a guy oh. with like the, the eye paint and who, yeah who is yeah. who is he supposed to be i don't know um they didn't really say i know one of our <laughs> listeners dante had a few theories he was just talking about all day but there's a part two where he like jumped on a building and like the glass was like all wavy and stuff just super cool but uh, I think uh, I don't really know what's going on with the story based on the trailers. Usually trailers nowadays tell you straight up what's going on, but it's just sort of like there's this evil guy and he just wants to cause trouble to for Stephen Strange, mm-hmm. who wants to become this mystical magician, you know? Sorcerer Supreme. Yeah. 
I like the not, little like uh, I like the way he put his cape on. I thought I was, was just yeah. gonna say that. Oh that my gosh, it was so cool how he just did that. It's very suave. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that and the uh, little uh, thing with uh, what's this for? Oh, that's the Wi-Fi password. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was good. That was enjoyable. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you always gotta get that Marvel joke. There wasn't mm-hmm. like a single joke in the trailer. I'm like, what's going on here? What's the catch? Oh, speaking of which, um, what do you guys think about them changing their intro and logo? Because it seemed like oh, I noticed logo. that. Yes, yeah. Marvel Studios changed that logo. Um, yeah. I like it. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan. It's you know right before Phase Three or whatever it is. Hits. Yeah. Um, it looks like each movie will have like a unique instead of just a you know where it's like all the pan the same panels every time in the background. Or I guess it changes depending on the movie. But see, that's. Show- a- that's the yeah. thing, though. I, I kind of liked how they did that a little bit, but you know what? I like the continuity. I like how they always had the flipping panel pages, and the pages represented the movie that you're seeing. So if you're watching yeah. Spider-Man, you're seeing Spider-Man panels. If you're watching Captain America, you're seeing Captain America panels, so on and so forth. Yeah. Yeah, now it's just going to be like, a, I guess for Doctor Strange, this weird, like, trippy, hallucinogenic thing. Yeah. But um, let's let's talk about something else. I guess we can just jumble all the netflix shows together because they weren't really long trailers and no they were pretty short i think the only one that was actually longer well yeah i guess the one that was pretty long was luke cage yeah um no it looks really really solid it definitely seems like luke cage is gonna be more of a prequel to jessica jones is kind of the vibe i got did you get that vibe yeah i sort of seen that way um yeah it's flashbacks i don't know but it did seem prequely to to jessica jones uh, yeah, it's, it was pretty nice. But no, I'm I'm definitely interested in in Luke Cage. He looked pretty sweet as he's like walking down that hall. Every Netflix show, <laughs> I've decided after watching the trailer. Yes, every Netflix show has to have a hallway fight scene. It just has to happen now after Daredevil season one. They all have to have a hallway fight scene. Yeah. And like, sure enough, as Luke Cage is walking down the hallway, getting shot up, and he just keeps walking. It's <laughs> the hallway fight it's, scene. It's going to be hard to top that Punisher in jail hallway scene because that was like yes the uh, just incredible yes that was but yeah i mean spectacular very excited for more hallways like with even with daredevil season two like we're barely into the netflix thing but whenever he was in a hallway i was just it, just counting the seconds for it to become a fight so i guess whenever you see a hallway now in a netflix marvel show get ready mm, yeah basically i guess we'll find out well, they, I'm sure they they've got uh, some cool stuff figured out. Yeah. Iron Fist trailer was kind of just it was a teaser bunch board. of flashes. Yeah. yeah. I do like so. the actor they got for Danny Rand. Now that I'm seeing him, yeah. you know, sort of not I say in costume because they haven't shown that yet, but I've seen him like on the screen. Yeah. It's kind of like all right, I can see it now. I I, I kind of like this guy as, as Danny Rand. I hope that. You know, I don't know if he's a martial artist in real life or not, um, but if not, I hope that he's at least able to kind of pull that off. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, no, one of the trailers that I think the one I kind of really enjoyed the most, though, was the season seven Walking Dead one that, that came out in Comic Con. Did you guys watch that one? I did not. I see did it. not. No. Oh my god! So basically, the the think of it scrolling from bottom to top, if memory serves. 
All right. The whole preview, which is long, it was like three, four minutes, all nothing but scrolling. And in it, you had Negan, um, you know, from the end of uh, the last episode with, with Lucille taking the bat. And he's like pointing, you know, you know, they kind of slowed it down, put a little pauses in between it. You have glimpses of the whole cast, you know, in, in previous episodes. And then it will show Lucille on a with a, um, pointing at, you know, one of the characters. And then at the end of it, they show a whole bunch of scenes from season seven. And it's got it gave me chills. It was like, oh, my gosh, this is like going to be an incredible end of our next season and it has a the guy with the the, the with tiger right yeah with the tiger and they showed the tiger and the tiger was like oh my god yeah. it was just like it was amazing and then you know at the end of it it was just like and you know negan is like and you are not it and it just kind of like whipped through everybody then there's a bloody bat and then it just breaks off to see a beautiful picture of lucille uh you know, wrapped in the barbed wire with a black background. And you, after you're done watching that trailer, I kid you not, you had those chills like, dang, this is going to be good. I've heard uh, Walking Dead fans are very pleased with it. Yes. I think it's the best trailer Walking Dead has ever done. And, you know, San Diego Comic-Con also put out Fear of the Walking Dead trailer as well. Eh. <laughs> 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 that's, that's a general opinion on the show as well. If I was Cisco and Ebert, it would be two thumbs down. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let's, do you guys have anything else before we jump to, let's say, Wonder Woman? Wonder Woman! No, Wonder I'm, ready Woman. For, I'm ready for some Wonder Woman. Uh, I thought it was freaking great to yes. make it PG. Mm-hmm. It was great. I, 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 you know, I still have, you know, warm fuzzies for my Linda Carter, but she's not that bad looking. When I was watching the trailer... I was laying in the bed. My wife was next to me. My wife was like, oh, wait a minute. I saw that trailer. It was in Russian on one of my on my Russian uh, uh, websites that I was watching. And it's like, what movie is that? It looks like it's really good. We need to see that. And I go, it's Wonder Woman. And it's like, oh, it's Wonder Woman. <laughs> and it's like, don't say, oh, it's, it's come on, yeah. it's Wonder Woman. <laughs> yeah, my, yeah, my girlfriend's super excited about that movie. It's probably her most anticipated movie of her entire life, and she loves chick flicks. So it had everything. It had everything. It had Chris Pine, uh, <laughs> who, who is everything. See, that so. was, you know, I love Chris Pine. I, I really do. Yeah. But now, it. to me, he's cast as Kirk. <laughs> it's going to be hard for me to get past it. I'm just going to be like, you should be Hal Jordan, but yeah. <laughs> whatever. Yep. What can you do? Um, yeah. But still, I mean, she she looks like she's going to kick some serious ass in that movie. Well, in that preview, she was, and yeah, my like, goodness, she was she was a badass. It was sweet, the dress with like the sword hidden in it. Mm-hmm. So good. Yep, and the the, the uh, uh, lasso and how it kind of yeah. glowed and yeah, I like that. I love the fact that they're doing it in uh, the 1940s. That yeah. to me was like, yes, you guys got it right. It's like I think DC yeah. maybe did something right finally. <laughs> Well, it's not Zack Snyder this time, so I mean, some of the action, some of the action in the slow mo look like him, but I don't think it's gonna it's it's gonna be, I think, more enjoyable for the general viewing public. See, I'm just curious: are they gonna have the invisible jet? That's what I want to know. Probably not. 
it's hard to say, but you know. Yeah, they they just gotta have her flying without a jet because it's just gonna be super awkward in the Justice League where she's like, "Yeah, Batman, do you mind if we just? I need a tow." <laughs> <laughs> you have got a point there. Yeah, but um, yeah, that was that was really good. I was really pleased with that trailer. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know. I was I think that's it. Uh, there's a there's a there's a bigot <laughs> yeah. a bigot is there what what, what was it what was not it even an official trailer technically power rangers was it Poke- it was pokemon for, actually they are making a live action pokemon movie legendary pictures <laughs> yes they are that came out this weekend legendary pictures got the rights to make a live action pokemon movie oh, God yeah. help us all <laughs> But yeah, no, you were saying it. You're right. It's not a trailer, which I think people are. There's a little misconception going on there. It's just sort of. It even says like this was footage we literally just put together for the fans. Because we remember there was San Diego Comic Con and we had to do something. <laughs> it's like how can you forget? You know, that like, was a on, really you know? small print at the bottom that you had to like freeze frame and then grab a magnifying glass and then you see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it showed us the crew. They got. Uh, Pretty much the whole team there, I, except for. Are we for, talking about gentlemen? We are talking about. Oh yeah, Justice, that's right. Justice League. <laughs> okay, so right off the bat, I just gotta say a couple quick things to get this off my chest. I am not a fan of Ezra Miller. Ezra Miller, right? Ezra. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. As mm-hmm. the Flash, okay. Oh, I know. Bad it's just like, he looked like a grungy little kid. Mm-hmm. Which I don't have a problem with beards. I have a beard, okay? I have no issues with beards. However, Barry Allen doesn't have a beard. So yeah. the fact that in Batman v Superman he had a beard made me very upset, okay? Yeah. Then on top of that, he had like really long hair. Which, once again, I don't care if you have long hair. Mm-hmm. My friend Rusty has long hair. I don't <laughs> care. But the fact of the matter is, Barry Allen shouldn't have long hair. Right? And he yeah. should be blonde. Well, yeah, that too. Well, Grant Gustin's not blonde, and I love him as Barry Allen, so I guess yeah. I can't hold that against him. But. The one upgrade to the Justice League trailer, Barry Allen, they had him cut his hair and shave his beard. He was a clean-shaven, short-haired Barry Allen, which I greatly appreciated, versus the Batman v Superman one. I almost didn't even recognize the kid. Yeah, I hear that. So, upgrade there. And another big upgrade that I thought just... The one thing that I took away that just blew me away in the entire thing was cyborg holy crap did he look amazing yeah he looks sweet honestly i didn't like it <laughs> not, a fan uh, of the, not a fan of the suit they, i mean they, I, we I'm barely not, got to see it but i'll be honest when I, the, my first my first thought was it's a, a star trek borg no i didn't see that yep. i saw teen titans minus like not the old school Teen Titans where he has like underwear, but like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. but you know what I mean. Like the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the more modern Teen Titans, like and even Justice League. Like I thought he looked <clears throat> awesome. Like, he blew me away. I thought Cyborg. They actually did Cyborg right. Um, Batman. I think they might have changed up his cowl a little bit, but for the most part, they kept. Which I'm perfectly fine with. I love that yep. suit. Yeah, looks mm-hmm. awesome. Um, Wonder Woman, obviously, as we already know, looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, the Flash. Uh-huh. It was the suit. It looked like it was the suit from Injustice. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't like it. I don't like. I'm the, not a I don't fan. like. I don't like the suit. I don't like the actor already. The, the like, way Dang. I see it, the way I can like the suit is a bit weird. But the way I'm justifying it is sort of 
I don't know. I guess the Flash, like, running around in a non-protective suit. I get he's fast, but, you know, he screws up more like quite a few times. Mm-hmm. Realistically, he'd need something more than just, like, a little leather. But, I mean, I get why people don't like it. I don't yeah. mind it. I'm Like, at this point, I'm so, like, apathetic towards stuff like that. As long as they get the character right, which mm-hmm. is a bigger problem for me because... He seems like he's like I need friends. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about. It. And then the blue lightning. Why was his lightning blue? Who knows, man. Hey, yeah, that, that was wrong that too. Kinda, that threw me off a little mm-hmm. bit. I'm not holding it against it. I'm still very excited. I'm a. I, I like the Flash a lot. Um, over the last few years, I've become actually a big fan of the Flash. So I'm. I'm. I'm excited for it for sure. Um, but yeah, I. I, I don't know. I am happy that he at least shaved and cut his hair. Uh, yeah. That made me smile, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but seen... I think the funniest scene, though, that I, I think that cracked me up, though, was you know, Batman with Aquaman. Yes. So I yes. hear you talk to fish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you, the first thing I thought of was you, Nova. It was the first thing I thought of. <laughs> Man, I'm, I, I'm digging Momoa as Aquaman. Yeah. yeah, he's just I, like the super '90s, like hardcore Aquaman. Mm, who's like, mm. you guys got problems, Justice League? Screw you! I'm not coming to help you anyway. <laughs> like, yes. yeah. Now here's the thing, though: Did anybody else get the feeling that they were playing Aquaman very similar to Thor? Like when he's like walking down the street, like Ultimate Thor. He's yeah, Ultimate mm-hmm. Thor. And he's yeah, yeah. A bottle yeah. of Jack and either whatever it was. He's like, <laughs> he's just about to he's smash like, it, dude. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, I, I'm not a huge Aquaman fan, so I very well could be wrong, and probably yeah. am, but I don't recall Aquaman ever being like a, being like Ultimate Thor, I guess. I, I guess yeah, I've never yeah. seen no. that before. Hopefully they, yeah, especially now, I mean, people are going to like, no one's going to pick up a comic and say, yeah, this is the Aquaman in the movie. You're going to be like, who is this super nice guy married to this? redhead with blonde <laughs> hair just being super charming all the time yeah. so i mean i guess you know you just got to take the movie universe for what it is yeah and i agree i'm with you 100 on that but i guess i am wondering though what they got to make aquaman edgy because he's been the butt of a joke so many times they just have to be like super hardcore uh, but pinning why, batman I, against the wall you, well that was cool i'm cool with that but why do you what made you or, let me rephrase what do you think made it so that Aquaman had to walk down the street chugging a bottle of Jack? Like, <laughs> like what happened in the movie that he just like had to like, go do that? And they then, had no, they had no more water. Well, then, yeah. <laughs> then it looks like like five seconds later he stands in front of the big wave and the big wave you know comes crashing in over him. Yeah, they're just trying to make him look super metal. I don't know. I like I, it. I'm I, not gonna lie. I dug it. Yeah, I'm very excited for it. And yeah, I mean, they but, definitely... And Zack uh, Snyder is directing this after all, because originally he yeah. pulled from it, and now he's back to directing it. Mm-hmm. Well, like, um, I guess, you know, we're we're, we're going to be seeing Jeff Johns poking him a little and telling him, we need more light here. Well, yeah, that's, light. that's what I was kind of wondering, because Jeff Johns is sort of the, the Kevin Feige of Marvel. Um, Jeff Johns is at DC, yeah. uh, where his new role is basically overseeing the, the DC Universe movies. So I'm wondering how much, I don't know. I guess I'm just interested to see how it plays out. That, and I don't yeah. know how you can, how are you going to have a Justice League, though, without Green Lantern? Yeah, or yeah. Uh, Big Blue. 
Yeah, yeah. People are like, well, I'm sure. I'm sure they just didn't show him in the trailer. Oh, yeah, I guarantee like, he's in it. He's gonna he, be in it. Yeah, even Henry Cavill was retweeting from his yeah. personal account. You know, check. And out he's in the poster. Account. Yeah, he's in it. Like, but so... it was funny because there was people in the rooms and they were like, you know, like, hey, I didn't see Superman. Where's Superman? And I had to put in, there, you know, in quotations. Remember, he's dead. <laughs> and <they> were, <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that because that movie was so horrible. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, no. Like no, but like you know, you said your girlfriend. She's been waiting all her life for this Wonder Woman thing. For me, Justice League has been the thing I've been waiting for all my life. Since, oh yeah, absolutely. Since the seventies, I've been saying, "My gosh, I want to see a live action Justice League movie," and here it is finally coming about after so many years. I got such high hopes for this movie. I really oh, do. Oh, don't do that. Don't do that. <clears throat> I, I do. I, I, well, you, can't, you say don't do it, but it, I mean, I'm telling you, it's like four years plus. I've been waiting for this see, movie. I'm I'm gonna put the BS meter out here until the movie comes out because that's what people said about that's the main reason that I could actually bear to watch Batman versus Superman or probably watch it rewatch it again tomorrow if I wanted to is because it was such a long time coming for me like I've always wanted to see these two guys on the screen so I could bear the movie mm-hmm. um, and I think if you've been really waiting for a Justice League movie despite all the things you may disagree with because no matter what they could literally make the perfect movie and us mm-hmm. comic fans are still gonna be like. I would have done this differently, and it would have been better. So, I, I mean, mean, yeah, there, there's gonna be little things in there, you know. I just hope they don't bring out Wonder Twins and crap like that, you know. Right, it's well. just... <laughs> That'd be all right. I wouldn't mind the that's, Wonder Twins. <clears throat> that's the next movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the second one. Yeah. So I guess kind of ending it here. They now there's no other trailers. I mean, there's King Kong and stuff, but comic book wise, there's no other trailers. However, there were some casting um, announcements. Yes, such yes. as Brie Larson as Captain Marvel. Yep. You got Rust. Oh, too bad Rusty isn't here. Yeah. You got a Flash Thompson announcement. Yes, Flash Thompson will be in Spider-Man: Homecoming. Uh, Michael Keaton is guaranteed now. He is officially in Spider-Man Homecoming, more than likely as the Vulture, which we've all been assuming this whole time. Um, Mm -hmm. Because the Vulture is going to be the baddie in that one. Uh, There's just so much hypocrisy going on with that. It's not even funny. He just did Birdman, which had a satirical bit about being a superhero in a movie. But he's not going to be a hero. He's going to be a villain. Well, whatever. (laughs) And the other thing, um, the big... The big casting call um, that I guess you could say was uh, Kurt Russell as Ego in yeah. uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And the big, the bigger news, well, the reason why this is so big is because it's now been pretty much hinted at and told indirectly that uh, Ego is uh, Star-Lord's daddy. In the movie universe, mm-hmm. however that works out. Yeah. Um, yeah. They also revealed his costume. Oh, I did not see the costume. Yeah, and another announcement, not as big as that, I think, is um, they showed the the Hulk gladiator. Yes, they Thor. did. That'll be sweet. It did look pretty epic. And at first, I'm looking at, it, I'm like, those just like big foam cosplay pieces. And then yeah. I sat there and thought to myself, 
Well, wait a minute now, Matt. <laughs> They're not really going to have an actor wearing this crap because the Hulk CGI. Yes. So that being <laughs> yes. said, they're probably going to CGI the armor and everything else as well. It's a possible option. Uh, there's, there's not a way to put these foam pieces on a CGI character. So I, after I th- thought for myself about two seconds, I said, oh, you dumbass. And I moved on. Um, but yeah, no, it looked, uh, it looked pretty freaking cool, though. I'm glad that there's... Gladiator holds a fish now. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. But yeah, um it looked like a pretty pretty live Comic Con. Yeah, I think yeah. they it got their numbers back up. I know the last four years or so they've been dwindling down yeah. because of the prices that they're charging vendors and the prices they're charging patrons to come in. I think they've actually uh, lowered the prices for the vendors. I don't know that hundred percent, but I think they did that and that's why they're getting um, better vendors this again this year. Well, from an attendee standpoint, it's never dwindled down. Tickets, you can't even get tickets. They sell out in less than a minute, and all their servers crash when you try to log on. Yeah. Like, you have to be, like, one of the lucky 75,000 or whatever it is people that attend. Like, to even, it's a pain. No, it is. And those people, that, those people that get on there, they those are the scalpers. Those are the companies, whatever. They go on there, they buy... 200 tickets in one shot and that's why it sells out so fast yeah you basically need to know someone to get it yeah that's been a really annoying thing happening with almost every event in general is these scalpers who different yeah. topic but um but yeah so I mean, are we but talking you can get about... you, can, you can get them on ebay for 200 dollars. <laughs> yeah no big deal yeah but anyways, I'm sorry. What are you going to say, Nova? Let's talk about Triple X. No, I'm kidding. Triple oh, X. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. There's a part of me that's kind of excited to see that. <laughs> I'm like, Xander Cage is back. Yeah. Like, I don't know what it is. Yes, those movies are like cheesy, <laughs> over the top. But it. Re- okay, here's why I like them. It reminds me of like the the 1980s like bad over the top action films it's like almost like an homage to the 80s action films and i love 80s action (laughs) films so i'm very excited like a part of me i'm gonna see it in theaters for sure yeah who doesn't love 80s action in fact today i was watching turner and hooch with the family gotta love those 80s oh yeah, yeah yeah for sure yeah, I mean, skiing down a mountain with no snow on it after, like, a, I don't even know how many feet that fall. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, that was uh, the mailbag. Um, I guess we enjoyed enjoyed the poop out of all these trailers. I mean, who wouldn't? They're getting so good at making trailers. It just, I think it makes our expectations a bit too high. I'm going to be honest. Hollywood, I know you're listening to our... <laughs> to our podcast they are just calm down with the trailers because you're getting us <laughs> way too excited way too early welcome everyone well it's that time of the show where we bring you the contest yes it's battle of the geeks where i read have the glorious grand prize of a near mint amazing spider-man number 300 that one of these contestants will win the question is is who will win it by the end of the year Currently, as it stands, we have... Who do we have? We have Nova in the lead with 14 points, followed by Tap with 9, and Rusty is trailing way behind with 5 points. Dang. <laughs> Are you going to catch up, man? I hope so. 
<laughs> I'm going to be the underdog. All right. Well, who knows? Maybe tonight is your night. So, question is, you guys geek enough? You guys are ready to go? Let's do this. Yeah, Come on. All right. So, as always, I'm going to have one of you step forward while the other three take off your headphones. And uh, I'll ask uh, some questions and see who can rake up the most points. Well, since Nova's in the lead, I say he goes first. That is fine with Fair. me. All right. All Let's right. All right. take them okay. off. All right. Take them all off. <laughs> take it off. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, Nova, it's just you and I. And here we go. Because it is that amazing Spider-Man number 300, we're going to go with, of course, some Spider-Man questions. I know it's oh, not your strong suit. No. <laughs> yes, I know. Okay. I can tell. I can tell. That's uh, why I got the lead. Yes, exactly. But this is the first round of it. So I'm going to be asking you, out of the 106 story arcs there is out of the 700 issues of The Amazing Spider-Man for the 1963 series, in 60 seconds, I would like you to... Name as many of those 106 of them that you can. Are you ready? Yeah, I guess right. so. And go. Um, back in Black. Yes. Craven's Last Hunt. Yes. Um, I guess, I don't know if Death of Gwen Stacy, that's kind of a... No, that's a, that, only yeah, issue. that's just a standalone. That's not an actual arc. Uh, let's see, Brand New Day. Yep. One More Day. Is that what it's called? Yes, one more day. That is correct. Okay. Um, let's see what I could conjure up here. Uh, yeah, this is going to be tough. Um, Spider Island. Yes. Uh, Can't forget that one. That was a big one. Yeah. But there's a couple uh, other big ones you're missing. Big, big time? The big time? The big time? Uh, I mostly remember the, the more re- look at tail end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the Clone Saga, of course. Yes. Uh, what else? What else? What else? Time. Ah. Well, you got. I'm seven. pretty proud of myself. Like that even for that good. low number, even yeah. for a low number, I'm pretty happy. Well, that was pretty good. So what? You're you're only missing 99 other ones. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> More than fair. Tell you what, why don't go ahead and bring somebody else in and let's give them a chance. All right. What up, gentlemen? We well, tap. Nova good got luck. seven questions correct okay. so as you know amazing spider-man and we're working for that 300 issue number 300 as a prize we got to go back to them spider-man questions so in a, in 60 seconds you need to tell me a hunt as many as you can of the 106 story arcs out of the 700 issues of the amazing spider-man from 1963 and go craven's last hunt that was noah's first one too yeah, yeah that's go a popular one maximum yeah. carnage Yes. Um, Spider-Verse. Yes. Um, Back in Black. Yep. Uh, Secret Wars. Yes. Um, sorry. That wasn't one. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 I'm thinking. Um, uh, 30 seconds. Invasion of the Spider-Slayers. Yes. Uh... Is Death of Gwen one? No. Shit. Um, Coincidence. <laughs> no one mentioned the same thing. 15 right, well, seconds. Think, uh, Clone Saga. Yes. Uh, shit. I don't fucking know. Oh, One More Day and Brand New Day. 
One more day, yeah. brand new day. Yep. Uh, <coughs> and time. Uh, yeah. Well, you got nine. All right, I'm good with that. All I would right. contest Spider Verse, but he still beat me since Spider Verse is <laughs> past the original volume. But anyway, okay. I think well, I think Rusty should beat us. Maybe. It is. A, there's a chance, but let's not, let's bring him in. It's not cosmic. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not all venom. He'll so. get, he'll yeah, get, he'll get he'll get the symbiote ones. Yes, and there's quite a few of them. There are. All right, well, he he's on, so it's not. Spoiler all right. Alert. Well, all right. You got you got some work here. So, Rusty, this is this is what it is. Working for that three issue number three hundred. So I got Spider Man questions for you. Okay. All, Tap got nine questions. Nova got seven. All you have to do is in 60 seconds, name me as many of the 106 story arcs out of the 700 issues of The Amazing Spider-Man from the 1963 run. Okay. You ready? And yeah. go. Uh, Clone Saga. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Max Carnage. Yep. Um, I, what would you call the black suit run? I don't... I don't well, you gotta tell us. I don't know what, you, what it's called. Okay, um... Uh, Let's see here. I should just blanked on this. Whoa. Okay. Um, would minimum carnage be one? Oh no, that's not. That's separate. Um, I think Nova beat you. Yeah, Nova. I think would beat me on this. Uh, Planet of the Symbiote. Um, no, that's not it either. Oh. Cosmic- <laughs> Carnage. Okay, Cosmic Carnage. Yes. Okay. Um, what else is there? Uh, Four, three, two, one. Time. Only oh, three. Rusty. Yeah. I guess oh. Spider Island would have been one too. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it would. Elf, I guess could have been one. Brand new day. Yeah, brand new day. Big the Clone Saga. You have Secret War, Secret Wars 2, Missing in Action, Gang War, Craven's Last Hunt, Mad Dog Ward, Inferno, The Assassination Plot, Acts of Vengeance, The Return of the Sinister Six, Powerless, Round Robin, The Sidekick's Revenge, Carnage, Invasion of the Spider Slayers, Maximum Carnage, Spider-Man vs. Hulk, Rematch, Trial by Jury, Life Theft, Pursuit, Shrieking, The Clone Saga, Power and Responsibility, The Double, Back from the Edge, Web of Death, Smoke and Mirrors, The Parker Legacy, Mark of Cain, Crossfire, The Trial of Peter Parker, Maximum Carnage, Return of Spider-Man, Exiled, The Great Responsibility, Media Blizzard, Return of Cain, Web of Carnage, Blood Brothers. I think you're naming repeating things. Nope. Maximum Carnage and then Web of Carnage. All right. And for those of you still with us, there is uh, more questions to come. Yes. All right. So who's going to... Who's going to take this next one? Because Tap got the point for that round. All right, so Tap goes then. All right, right, Tap. Well, they came from many walks of life, but they all had two things in common. They were all criminals based in Central City. They all had a fixation with battling the second Flash. Name as many of the 13 core, X-core, and outer circle rogue members. Go. Uh, So you're referring to, like, Captain Cold. Yep, there's one. Heat Wave. Two. Gorilla Grodd. It doesn't count. Uh, um, Mirror Master. Yes. 
Um, fuck, I'm trying to think. Oh my god, I'm drawing a blank. Reverse Flash. No. Professor Zoom. No. What? Um, uh, shit. Weather Wizard. Yes. Uh, I don't know. Is King Shark one? No. Uh, I didn't think so. Uh, Mirror Master Weather Wizard. How many are there? Thirteen, and you got four. God, I don't know. Nova's gonna freaking win this one. Um, <laughs> Weather Wizard. Uh, oh, Siren. Is that her name, Siren? Not, but she is not one of the core or yeah. X core or outer circle rogue members. God. I don't know. I'm at a loss. Uh, all right. Well, we'll put you down for four. All right. Let's see. Let's bring somebody else on. It looks like Rusty's coming on. All right. He's not going to get any, so we're good. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be bad. Yes, for you, this will be bad. I didn't do well. I think Nova's going to kill us, to be quite honest. Yes. Well, Tap got four out of 13, all right? Okay. Well, as I told Tap, they came from many walks of life, but they all had two things in common. They were all criminals based in Central City, and they all had a fixation with battling the second Flash. Name as many of the 13 core, X-Core, and Outer Circle rogue members that you can. Wait, what? <laughs> The flash, a flash? The, the flash rogue gallery. Yes, the the rogue members. Okay. Oh, I just remembered one okay. that I should have remembered. I, I yeah. guess I could try this. Let's All see. Right. Go. Alright. Um Gorilla Grot. No. Um was it uh, Mr. Cold or whatever? Mr. Cold. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Freeze is Batman, sir. No, was it Captain up. Cold? There's Captain Cold. There's okay. one. Um, how about uh, the Trickster? Yes. Ooh, nice okay. Um, what about, uh, what is that colonel's name? Uh, the Colonel... No, that's not really a villain, I guess. No, it's not Colonel Mustard. Uh, uh, let's see who else. Um, what, Metaloid? Metal? Nope. Uh, um, I don't know who else. I, I'm pretty clueless on this All one. All right. Sounds like, it sounds like two is what you got. Yeah. Okay. Nova's gonna kill us, so it's yeah. Okay. I mean, this is gonna be dumb. This is all like right, Nova, a prepared to get all thirteen. Okay, you win, bro. Ooh. Okay, so Nova got four, Rusty got two, and I'm gonna tell you the same thing I told them. They came from many walks of life, but they all had two things in common: they were all criminals based in Central City, and they all had a fixation with battling the Second Flash. Name as many of the thirteen core. X Core and Outer Circle Rogue members. Okay. All right. Go. Um, Captain Cold. Yes. Uh, Heat Wave. Yes. Trickster. Yes. Um, Captain Boomerang. Yes. Uh, who else is there? There's Weather Wizard. Yes. Pied Piper. Yes. And you're already... Mirror Master. No, keep going. I want to get them all. Mirror Master. uh, Mirror Master's sister. What's her name? Uh, 
I don't know. I don't remember his sister's name, but I know she was on there. Um, I don't think, no. I don't know. I think that's... Uh, all right, you're going to stick with your seven? Yeah. All right. <clears throat> well, let me go through the list here. The core members consist of Captain Cold, Heat Wave, Mirror Master 2, The Trickster, and Weather Wizard. Ex-core members are Captain Boomerang, who's deceased, Pied Piper, Mirror Master 1, who's deceased, The Top, who's deceased but came back, The Trickster 2. The Outer Circle is Dr. Alchemy, The Golden Glider, who's deceased, and The Rainbow Raider, who's deceased. That's her name. The Rainbow Raider. I yes, name right I, forgot, there. I cannot believe I forgot Captain Boomerang and the Trickster. Like, I forgot. Two okay, that I can't believe I forgot. Mirror yeah. Master is the one that I'm liking. See, if yeah. we say Mirror Master, we should automatically get two for that because we said Mirror Master. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but there's way, two Nova, of them. Either way, Nova still wins. Can you guess yeah. what I said, Nova? Guess. I'm sure you said you Mist- had to have said Captain Cold. He said okay, Mr. that's one. He said Mister Cold. <laughs> Mr. Cold. <laughs> and then I was like, Oh, Captain Cold. Okay, so that's one Captain of them. Freeze. Yeah, it's like Mister Cold and Captain Freeze. <laughs> Who's the other yeah. one you think I got? <laughs> um, who else did you get? Yeah, oh man, one? I don't know anymore. Doctor Boomerang. No, <laughs> I don't know. Trickster. Who? Trickster. Oh, nice. Uh, yes, yes. Very nice. That's Boomerang impressive. Trickster. Those are the two I can't believe I forgot. And see, I'll be honest with you. When I was going through this, you now I put this all together, and I was going back where the questions like, oh, wait a minute. Tap is going to take this away because he's collecting the series right now. I haven't read it yet. Oh, okay. Oh, I freaking okay. love the Rogues, man. I'm waiting I know. I get all the issues before I read it. And then there's some great story arcs in there. And the last, the last issues that deal with the Rogues is just like, wow. They get made fun of way too much because they are yeah. a great team, a great group of characters. They are. They are really good. All right. So who wants to go next? I guess I am. I'm the last one to not go first. All right. So as a homage to Superman, I have three questions for you based off the character. Okay. And it's very simple here. All right. This long-lasting comic series, now 13 years old and still going strong, is a clear homage to Superman. Both the main character and his father are sons of a dying extraterrestrial race. Invincible. Yes! Oh, yeah. Ooh, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing the cabbage patch in my kid. <laughs> oh my Mark, hanging oh out, my man. I gotta wipe a tear away. <laughs> you, you may be proud, son. <laughs> All right, question number two. This comic has a version of Superman and Captain America morphed together. Clark Kent volunteering during World War II to become a super soldier using a combination of an an enhancement serum and cells taken from an alien spacecraft, plus a supercharge and solar energy. He carries an adamanium shield, which resembles Superman's chest insignia. What comic is it? I don't know. Is this an Alma gum? Uh... Captain Universe. I don't know. Uh... (laughs) Uh, Super America Man. I, I have no idea, dude. You got me on this. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, let's go to the last question here. Okay. This comic was a parody comic seen in Mad Magazine issue number four, in which the title hero has muscles on muscles. He battles Captain Marvel, Marbles, a parody of Captain Marvel, 
but in the end is still dismissed as a creep. What is that comic parody called? I don't know. Buttered Toast Man. I, <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I have, you got me on that. Uh, Bizarro? No. No. no All right. Well, let's, you got one. One out of three. One. I feel like Nova's going to know all of them. Nova? Hello? Yes. This is right up your alley. All right, Nova. Ooh. Well, there's three questions, and Rusty got one. Okay. All right. So as a homage to Superman, I have three questions for you based off the character. Nice. All right. My first question. This long-lasting comic series, now 13 years old, and still going strong, is a clear homage to Superman. Both the main character and his father are sons of a dying extraterrestrial race. Invincible. Yes! <laughs> of course. Now, would you believe that's the one question Rusty got right? What? Yes, oh, can you believe my God. it? I wish you went last, Rusty. We all could have heard it. <laughs> I know, I know. Oh, it's just, no it, was, it was a proud moment. It was a so proud how are you enjoying moment. that series? No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nova. Your second question here. This comic has a version of Superman and Captain America morphed together. Clark Kent volunteering during World War II to become a super soldier using a combination of an enchantment, an enhancement serum. I said that last time with Rusty. An, an enchantment serum uh, and sales taken from an alien spacecraft. Plus a supercharge of solar energy, he carries an adamantium shield, which resembles Superman's chest insignia. Well, it's definitely that was Amalgam Universe. I remember that. Mm-hmm. You want like the name of the series? Yes. What's the name of that comic issue? It had. It was Super Soldier. Yes. And then, oh, is that it? <laughs> okay. That's it. You know what I said? I said Super America. Yes. Super, look at you, American Super America. That's what it's got to be called. <laughs> and you all know Superman's a Canadian. Come on. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a deal. Right. Okay. Well, your final question. This comic was a parody comic seen in Mad Magazine issue number four, in which the title hero has muscles on muscles. He battles Captain Marbles, a parody of Captain Marvel. But in the end, it's still dismissed as a creep. What is uh, the comic parody called? Uh, super Creep. No. I have no, you, I have no and, idea. Okay, all right. Well, I let's like go ahead and bring Tap on, and let's see if Tap can get. Might help if I was off mute. <sighs> all right, Tap. Well, Rusty has one. Okay. Nova has two. All right. So as a homage to Superman, I have three questions for you based off the character. Okay. Yes. Well, the first one, both gentlemen got correct. This long-lasting comic series, now 13 years old and still going strong, is a clear homage to Superman. Both the main character and his father are sons of a dying extraterrestrial race. Invincible. Yes. <laughs> right. Rusty actually got that. Yeah. Yes, he did. <laughs> and he didn't even have to think about it. Nice. I said it yes. before the question was finished. Yes. Oh. I was so proud. Uh, I was, hey, guys, I was doing the cabbage batch. All right. I was so happy. All right. So uh, next question. This comic has a version of Superman and Captain America morphed together. Clark Kent volunteered during World War II to become a super soldier using a combination of an enchantment <laughs> enhancement serum and sails taken from an alien spacecraft plus a supercharge of solar energy. He carries an antimanium shield, which resembles Superman's chest insignia. 
got to be something like a mix between the two. Um, so what's corny and would work? Like Captain Soups doesn't work, or Captain that doesn't work. Um, super Super American. Is that your answer? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's the same uh, thing Rusty said. What is that? What's with you? Guys? Super American, of course. That's what it is. Well, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Of, I'm trying to combine the two. <laughs> the correct answer is Canadian. It's super Canadian. Yes, yeah, super, super soldier. American. Why is the Clark Kent be a Canadian? He is. Superman's he is. Canadian. Superman's Canadian. But anyway, Super Soldier is the correct answer. Super Soldier. Yes. And Nova you did. You already said, but you said, I could, Matt, you said Super Soldier in the, uh, in the, in the question. Yes, I did, didn't I? Well, that's why I was like, it can't be that because he said it. <laughs> He threw the toss-up. Oh, it's got to be super American. <laughs> well, Clark Kent's from Smallville, Kansas. Well, he's from Krypton, but he's from Smallville, Kansas. So, yeah, that would make sense if you're combining the two characters. Captain all right, America all right. Superman. Whatever strokes your ego, America. <laughs> all right. Well, he, Nova did get that one correct, and here's the one that nobody could get. Your final question. This comic was a parody comic seen in Mad Magazine number four, in which the title hero has Muscles on Muscles battles Captain Marbles, a parody of Captain Marvel, but in the end is still dismissed as a creep. Who is? What's the title? What's parody comic? Creep. Is that your final answer? Yeah. No. The answer is Super Duper Man. What the? Uh, as I'm looking at the picture now, I've. I remember I've seen this before. With his his alias Clark Bent. Yeah, I've never seen that. I've never been a big Superman fan up until like three weeks ago when Rebirth came out. I've never really enjoyed Superman comics. Alright. Well Nova's got the point for that round. Alright, so let I'll, for this next one I want Rusty to go last. Alright. I have my I'll reasons. go first. Alright, so Nova <sighs> Are we ready? Very simple. Provide me a list of all Marvel cosmic beings in the cosmic universe. Ooh. Oh, oh, oh. And I'm only looking for the 27 that start with a vowel. Okay. All right. And go. Uh, Ego. Yes. Eternity. Yep. Uh... Can't be over. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just twenty-seven. Jeez, that's hard. Twenty-seven. I know. Uh, I can't. I just had to ask Marvel, huh? <laughs> oh boy. Oh oh oh. Um, This is tough. Good yeah. luck to tap. Yeah, I know. I'm surprised. Oh my god! How much time do I got left? Probably nothing. Yeah, you're almost down to it. Yeah, I don't. I don't. <laughs> All see right, it. we'll I keep you too. All right, so why don't you go ahead and bring tap on? Hello, gentlemen. Well, Nova got two. Holy two. crap! Nova didn't know something. 
<laughs> Let's see how well you know. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That doesn't make me feel any better. Yeah, all right. So all you have to do is very simple. Provide me a list of all the Marvel cosmic beings in the cosmic universe. Seriously? Yes. But, oh, wait. wait oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, let me back it up one. But I'm only looking for the 27 that start with a vowel. Insane. <laughs> yes. And go. Eternity. Yes. That's about it. Um, I don't know. I don't know cosmic. Ego. Yes. Um, it's about as far as I got. Yep. <laughs> Same too. <laughs> oh, those are easy. Um, mm, Eternity. Ancient ones? Is it no? Um, all, all in one. What is it called? What one and all? What are they called? Uh. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I know what you're talking about, but you got to give me the name. <laughs> uh, God. One. I used to be in an alliance with this name. I should know it. <laughs> um, you're thinking of one above all. One above all. <coughs> oh, no. One and all. That should be half a point. <laughs> <laughs> well, the two of you are tied with two. Let's right, see. Well, if, that's right. a, if that comes down to the tiebreaker, one and all counts. <laughs> Well, let's see what Rusty could swing. He's going to get DC Universe. He has to. <laughs> well, oh, man. Are, you, are you ready for your challenge, Rusty? I guess so. What is it? It's very simple. Provide me a list of all the Marvel cosmic beings in the cosmic universe. Just wait. Ah, ah, but a wait. List? But, but wait, there's more. <laughs> okay. And I'm only looking for the 27 that start with the vowel. Like a vowel? Okay. To start with a vowel. And go. Uh, eternity? Yep. Infinity? Yep. Um, what else is there? Uh, one above all? Uh, yes. Uh, well, you won the round. You can keep going if you want, but you got uh, it. Oh, I was saying Yondu. Would that work since it's the Y? No, because it's sometimes no. Y, and Yondu does not count. Uh, no. Uh, not this time. crap. Yes, ego. Um, I don't know. Is it a bunch of people? <laughs> oh. All right, time is up. You got four. Okay, that's fine. Still one. <laughs> I could have so kept Rusty. going. I just like, man. Mm. Well, Rusty's run, one around. Well, we have Abraxas. Okay. Adam Warlock. Nobody got Adam, Adam Warlock. Warlock. That's a surprising. That's why I said him. I didn't think Adam Warlock, though. All right. Agamotto. Okay. Apocalypse with the power of the 12. Okay. Astroth. Astronomer. Uh, Atum. uh, The the God Eater. uh, Ego, the Living Planet. Elder Gods. Elders of the Universe. Entropy. Eon. Uatu. Epoch, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Apoch. The Eternals, mm-hmm. Eternity, Explorer, Econ, mm-hmm. uh, uh, all right, Impossible Man, Infinity, Obliviator, Oblivion, One Above All, Origin, Unbeing, Unilord, and Unipower. Cool. All right. So all which, right. wait, y'all only got two? <coughs> yeah, we both got uh, Eternity got the same two. Ego. 
Yes. Oh, cool. And then I that said one, one and all, or what did I say? One for all, one and all. <laughs> one for all. Like it was yeah. like the three musketeers thing, yeah. but yeah, the all for one and I one for ha- all. I said half a one point, and if it came down to it, it should be a tiebreaker. Well, we got one more round left. Let's see what we can do here, because right now, Rusty's one one, Tap is one one, and Nova has one two. Uh oh. Uh oh. Yes. So, who wants to go first? I'll do it. All right. Tap is up. All right. So, I got a bunch of questions here for you. All right. You know, we've talked DC. We've talked Marvel. It's time to go to Image. Have some Image fun. So, simple question. Image was founded in what year? 1992. Correct. Who are the seven founding fathers? And you get one point for each one you can name. All right, that's a little bit better than trying to do all seven because I don't think I can do it. Yep. Uh, Rob Liefeld. Yes. Mark Silvestri. Yes. Eric Larson. Yes. Uh, Todd McFarlane. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's where I get. That's where I'm starting to lose it. Um, was Jim Lee one? Correct. Okay. Um, Yeah, that's where I'm lost. I don't okay, remember. not a problem. All right, so who was the eighth founding father that helped develop the image but didn't join? Uh, no clue. Okay, so next question. Image, images organizational charter had two key provisions what are they oh i have no idea make awesome comics and screw <laughs> over the big two <laughs> unfortunately no that's not it it should be yeah all right so i want to skip over that one then yeah yeah I've all right that. who designed the image logo todd mcfarland no all right Image originally consisted of six studios. Uh, what are they? And you get a point for each one you can name. Are, okay, just to clear, some of well, quick. Okay, so Malibu. Um, that's one, right? Uh, Malibu Comics. No, that's not one of the original six. What? Yes. Oh Jesus! Um, kitchen sink. No. Uh, I don't even know. Um, Top Cow. Yes. Um, okay. Uh, I think Skybound's newer, but I'm going to say Skybound. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, um, it's not. Top Cow. Malibu's not one? No, it's not. Hmm. <laughs> Wildstorm? Yes. Um, yeah, that's about all I'm going to get. Okay, not a problem. Well, you got eight. Eight points total. Yeah, eight points total for that. All right, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, that's doable. I don't think Rusty's going to know any of these. So let's get him on. Okay, let's bring him on next then. <laughs> okay, I'm on. All right. All right. Let's see if you're going to be on your game. I hope you know your history. Okay, let's see. All right. Because, you know, we talked Marvel. We talked DC. It's time to bring Image to the table. Okay. All right. I got some simple questions for you. It's basically you know it or you don't know it. And let's see what you can get, because Tap got eight questions. Eight Jeez. points. Eight points. Eight, eight questions. Points. Eight points. You'll see what I mean in a minute. <clears throat> yes. All right. So here we go. 
Image was founded in what year? 90, uh, wait, 92? Correct. All right. Next question. Who are the seven founding fathers? And you get a one point for each seven. person you – Yep. Okay. Uh, McFarlane, Lee, Liefeld, Larson, uh, Silvestri? Yep. And um, – Oh, uh, wait, no. It wasn't. You're forgetting two. Who else was it? Um, it wasn't Claremont, right? Claremont no. came over and did some. He wasn't. There. He no. He he. He's not the seven founding fathers that okay. actually signed the contract. Who else is it? Not Fabian Nitzias. <laughs> no. no. Mm. Um. Yeah, we're talking right now the seven that actually signed together and actually founded right. the company. I'm thinking. Okay. The time's ticking, sir. Yeah. Okay. I have All no right. idea who the other two are. Okay, well, who was the eighth founding father that helped develop Image but didn't join? Uh, Matt Hawkins? No. Okay. Uh, All right. Hey, yeah, you got it wrong. You yeah. Keep going. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'll get to it. I'll give you one more shot. One more shot. But didn't do anything? Mm-hmm. Uh... I don't know. Andy Cooper. Nope. All right. You're going to kick yourself later when I give you the names. But, all right. Image Images organizational charter had two key provisions. What are they? Uh, create our own books. Yes. And um, create our own content or art. Uh, and... Original it's, stories? It's, no, it's, it's all kind of combined there for the most part, isn't it? I guess. Yeah. Um, no, I don't know. All right. No, no reboots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Who designed the image logo? Silvestri. No. All right. Next one is image originally consisted of six studios. What are they? And I'll give you one point for each one you can name. Six studios. Mm-hmm. And right now you're at seven points. And Taff has eight. And go. Uh, Top Cow? Correct. Um, uh, not Epic. Uh, McFarlane? No. I feel like I'm going to have to give that to you because it's actually called Todd McFarlane. Okay. Or Todd McFarlane Productions. Okay. Um, how? I don't know. I wait. What would another one be? Let me think. Let me think. Let me think. Uh, oh my God. No. All right. I so you I got, got nine. Okay. And I know that Tom McFarlane one, you see it a lot of it just says Todd says McFarlane. McFar- yeah. Exactly. So that, that one could be misleading, so I had to give that one to you. So let's okay. go ahead and bring uh, Nova on. Let's see if he can beat nine. Yes. 
<laughs> Sorry, Tap. Oh, you're still way behind me, so you need the points. <laughs> oh, really? Pity points. Because I got eight points. If you got nine, then really you only got one point more than me. So, and you're so far behind me, so it's okay. Shots fired. Oh. Shots were fired because, you know what, Rusty got nine points, Tap got eight. Damn. I have a feeling Nova's going to knock it out of the park. I think you should do pretty good on this one, Nova. These guys, you flatter me. <laughs> well, we've talked Marvel, we talked DC, now it's time to go to the image side of the house, and Ooh. I've got some image questions for you. All right, to start up, I'm going to ask you, image was founded in what year? 92. Correct. All right, and who are the seven founding fathers? I'll give you a point for each person you can name. Seven. Uh, Jim Lee. Yep. Uh, Bob Liefeld. <laughs> uh, Rob, okay, Rob Liefeld. Yeah. Todd McFarlane. Uh, mm-hmm. Jim Valentino. Mark Silvestri. How many is that? Uh, that is five. I'm forgetting. Todd McFarlane. You said Todd. Uh, wait, let me go back. You said Todd McFarlane. You said. Todd, Mark, Rob. Jim Lee. Jim Lee. That's the other one that I was looking for. Jim there. Valentino. Mm-hmm. That's five. Yep. You're missing just one. Just one. I don't know. Poor guy. Oh, okay. I'm so sorry. All right. Oh, well, Larson. Is it Larson? You said Larson. Oh, okay. All right. So the seven founding fathers are Todd McFarland, Jim Lee, Mark Silvestri, Eric Larson, Jim Valentino, Rob Liefeld, and the one y'all missed is Wills Port. Portacio. Yes, the guy Portage, whose name I okay, Portacio. Yes. Yeah, I know. Yeah. He's pretty good too. He's he's been yes. gone though. That's the, probably the yeah. reason. That's the thing. He's oh, he's the, he's a forgotten guy. Yep. And it also doesn't help that his last name is a little difficult to pronounce. Yeah. I forgot Valentino. I'm surprised I forgot Valentino. Yeah. yeah. All right. So your next question, which nobody was able to get. Well, I'll come back to that actually. Who was the eighth founder that helped develop Image? but didn't join. Um, I think it... Was it Claremont? Yes! Chris knew Claremont. It. it was that whole... Because I remember... Uh, <laughs> yes, because Rusty said that as one of the original seven. Yeah. Because uh, Jim Lee on Fat Man on Batman went into uh, image creation. It was all X-Men guys going in. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, next one up is Image would not own an, uh what was that? Uh Image Image's organizational charter had two key provisions. What are they? Uh creator owned. Yep, creator owned. So the creator owns their own thing. Mm-hmm. Um What could the second one be? Uh, no renumbering. No. I don't know. All right. Well, Number one is Image would not own any creator's work the creator would. So okay. creator owned, as you all said. And two, the Image partner would um, – no Image partner would interfere creatively or financially with any other partner's work. Image itself would own no intellectual property except the company's trademarks, its name, and its logo. It's the only two oh. things that Image owns. It's the name and the logo. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty cool. All right, here's another question that nobody was able to get. Who designed the image logo? Jim Lee? No. The answer is writer 
Hank Canals. Huh. Yeah. Fun fact. Yes, that is a fun fact. All right, so nobody got nine. You're tied with Rusty, and we got one thing left. Oh, I almost want right. to give it to the poor guy. <laughs> well, Image originally consisted of six studios. What are they? And you get one point for each one that you can name off of the six studios that they originally consisted in Image. Oh, well, Top Cow, of course. Yep, Top Cow. I don't think Skybound was an original, so... Um, Wildstorm, of course. Correct. Six? Wow. Um, I know Bob had one, but I don't remember what it was called. Uh, I think Todd had one as well. Was it? It was probably just called McFarlane, or just Todd McFarlane. Yep, I'll give that McFarlane. one. To, yep, Todd McFarlane Productions, oh, he or put the Todd, Todd McFarlane. But yeah, but he it was basically he just called it Todd McFarlane. Had to put his first name in there, huh? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't remember Bob's. All right. Well, it really doesn't matter at this point because you got that round with twelve points. Uh, what did people, like, image so, history. You've got to know this stuff, man. Yes. So the image consisted of six studios: Todd McFarlane Productions, owned by Todd McFarlane; Wildstorm Productions, owned by Jim Lee. Highbrow Entertainment, owned by Eric Larson. Shadowline, owned by Jim Valentino. Top Cow Productions, owned by Mark Silvestri. And Extreme Studios, owned uh, by Rob Liefeld. Of extreme, course, Extreme. Extreme yes. Studios. All right, no well, that was pretty cool, guys. So let's <laughs> see. Tolling everything up, today we have Tap with one, Rusty with one, and Nova with three. Woo! Yes. I mean, and I try true. to keep it even. I've given something that I know each one of you is good at. So there's, there's no bias. <laughs> yeah, good. absolutely. So I understand you guys have some stories to tell me. Uh, I think Rusty's the only one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, could, we could come up with something. Um but, yeah. I have mine. All right. Well, as we put out for the last month, you guys have a challenge. I'll give, I'll give it together, to Rusty. I don't need to together point. a story. And it was. So it sounds like Rusty was the only one that did it, huh? <laughs> yeah, let's I do, it. actually. So let's hear it, man. Let's, we we got to hear it. Walk. We gotta, yeah, let's do it, man. Let's hear it. Okay. So this is my Spider Man story. It's only part one. So. Green Goblin has a plan to end Peter Parker once and for all after coincidentally seeing Spider-Gwen's secret identity as he walked by an area she was changing in. He calculates a plan to capture her with the help of Carnage, who is quickly chased off after Eddie Brock appears with a group looking for the Darkhold. Goblin succeeds with this plan, and Spider-Gwen is quickly captured. With Spider-Gwen missing, Miles Morales becomes concerned when she doesn't answer his calls. Miles seeks out Peter to ask for his help. Suddenly, a goblin glider flies by with Gwen tied to it. Miles and Peter jump into action as they swing through the city. They follow the board to the roof of Parker Industries. The board flies high above the rooftop, and Peter quickly shoots a sn- to snatch the board when suddenly the goblin family emerges and begins a fight with Miles and Peter. As the fight climaxes, Miles is knocked to the side and knocked unconscious. 
Peter realizes it's up to him in the moment to stop the fight and save Spider-Gwen. He proceeds to eliminate his foes one by one until the Green Goblin is the last one standing. They exchange dialogue and begin their fight when suddenly Peter is flung into the air by the goblin and hits the board Gwen was tied to, knocking her loose but with her feet and hands still bound. As she falls helpless to the ground and past the edge of the building, Miles awakens just in time. He runs to the edge and shoots a web to attempt to catch Spider-Gwen. As the web connects, her fall suddenly stops. He holds the webbing tight as she dangles motionless off the edge of the building. Miles quickly pulls her up to find her unresponsive. Her neck is broken. Spider-Gwen has died. Miles holds her close, and the story ends. We are left with the message, a tragedy repeated, to be continued. Cool. Yeah, that's my story. Oh, I'm sorry. I just woke up. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh. Uh, just Making a play <laughs> off of an old I'm story. I'm just kidding. Oh. Well, I, it sounds like you can do better off the fly than tap. Let's hear it. Oh, off the fly? Yeah. Oh. All right. Calling you out, brother. All Bring right. it on. So picture this. It's a dark and stormy, rainy night. Batman. Batman. <laughs> I'm writing a different book. Already. <laughs> I'm writing a different book. <laughs> Spider-Man. I meant to say Spider-Man is back in the black. Not even the right universe. <laughs> All right. So it's a dark and stormy night. Spider-Man sits <laughs> at the top. I can't do this. Stop it. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do this. I need a buzzer. <laughs> I'm trying to do this right now. So right? whatever whatever he says next, just picture Batman doing it because that's what it's meant to be. <laughs> Alright, so. Is this black, uh, Spider-Man in black suit? Yes, that's what I was trying to say. So it's a dark and stormy night. Spider-Man's back in the black suit, sitting perched at a, uh, a gargoyle in the New York skyline. Alright? There's lightning. Shit's going crazy, alright? <laughs> Spider-Man all of a sudden sees the rhino tearing up down the city streets, just knocking cars out of the way, just bulldozing through them. He swings down into action, stops the rhino and says, Hey, Fugly, what are you doing on this dark and stormy night? I don't, I'm, I'm at a loss. But you got to admit, it's a way more, it's a, it has more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It has more, uh, more, more heart. Oh, More no. ambiance. <laughs> <laughs> the dark Rusty. and stormy night sitting on a gargoyle. <laughs> Poor heart. I heard, I heard Rusty's voice quiver by the end of his story. <laughs> you're thinking of Batman here, and you're talking about heart in your Spider-Man story. Yeah, no, <laughs> oh, man. Oh, buddy. No. I'm not a writer, obviously. All right. You got yourself together, Red? Yes, I'm sorry. I had to put myself together. I'm just, I'm just picturing Batman perched on a gargoyle. <laughs> I think, I think of Spawn perched on a gargoyle. Yes. Actually, it would be Batman, but sure. There's actually comics of Batman perched up on gargoyles. I think there's yeah, even he does some that. Spider-Man. He does that regularly. Yeah, I think there's actually some of Spider-Man too. Come to think of it. Probably. Yeah. Most likely. I mean, what 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 superhero hasn't perched on a gargoyle at one time or another? It's true. Okay, so we got we got Peter Parker who's having breakfast. He's got himself a uh, two boiled eggs, um, a slice of toast, no butter, and a cup of coffee, black with one Splenda. 
Um, so he's sipping on this stuff, eating his food, and all of a sudden he gets a visitor. Rings, he hears a doorbell ring. He's got a dog now, so his dog starts barking at the person at the door. Uh, it turns out to be the mailman. Five minutes later, there's another ring at the doorbell. He opens a door, and it's the watcher, but it's Nick Fury watcher. We haven't seen him in a while. So Nick Fury watcher tells him, he basically tells him, hey, buddy, you remember this whole thing you did with Mephisto one more day? Everyone hated it. And then Nick Fury points at the, like he's pointing at us, the reader. And he says, you guys, you hated it. And you gave JMS a lot of trouble for it. So after that, Peter basically finds a way to get to hell, right? And he's, he wants to talk to Mephisto. He wants to find out what's going on. So he finds Mephisto, approaches him. And Mephisto tells him uh, it was all a prank. It was all a goof. Um, they were playing him. And as they're walking and talking about, you know, the whole situation that happened, we see a group of carnies run by. And they basically say, we're going to go give Hyperion some more trouble. <laughs> I was waiting for that. And Spider-Man sort of turns around confused. He's not sure exactly what's going on on that end. And he thinks, he, he asks Mephisto, couldn't Hyperion take those guys out in like a second? And Mephisto says laughingly, you think so. Anyway, they keep walking and they end up getting to the river sticks. And Mephisto basically asks him, you know what, let's get past this. Let's have some downtime. I got some beers here. I got some surfboards. We got the river sticks here. I'll whip up some waves and we'll crash them. So they basically did that, crushed some waves. Um, and that's about it. They end up being buddies and Peter Parker gets back to his breakfast, which um, is cold by then. How's that for a Spider-Man story? There you go. All right. Pretty interesting. Yes, it was. All right. So now I got three stories. Your challenge for the next contest is this. Put me together a cover to your story, a typical comic book cover. It could be done by the computer. You can hand draw. It could be pencil, stick figures, chalk, crayons. I don't care. Can I get someone else to do it? No, you got to do it yourself. (laughs) It's got to be a cover. But You're gonna see my, my like Microsoft Paint cover. <laughs> Microsoft Office. I don't care what it is. You can use PowerPoint. <laughs> I'm gonna draw it on my surface. There you go. Put a cover together, and by <laughs> next contest, all you have to do is have that cover done. Post it to Twitter, and you have to have you have to see how many people actually put little hearts like in your photo. Who can get the most hearts? Likes. <laughs> yeah. So let's try to beat two, I guess. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, sounds Got good. It. So, in other words, you want me to draw Spider-Man wearing a black flowing cape <laughs> sitting on top of Gargoyle for this? There you go. There you go. It might end up being very controversial. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe because of that, I'll get a shit ton of likes. Yeah, that'd be cool. I'm gonna hold. I'm gonna have like one of Miles like holding Spider Gwen. Yeah. So all you gotta do is get a like. You'll get one point. Get a comment though. You'll get two points. Uh oh. But if the comment is from an actual comic book artist in the industry, you make it five points. So Toe, here is your chance to comment. <laughs> all, right. all right, guys. We'll we'll go ahead and wrap this up. I think we've been doing this long enough and time to move on to a different segment all right everyone 
everyone. Well, it's time to wrap up the show with the comic book releases for August 3rd, 2016. And to start it all off, we have Rusty. Rusty, why don't you go ahead and tell us what we got in Marvel's side of the house? All right. So in Marvel this week, guys, we got Civil War 2, Kingpin 2. And I haven't started that series, but I heard it's good. Daredevil annual number one. So we're going to get a new annual for Daredevil this year. Deadpool number 16 with two covers. One's going to be a variant. Um, we have Deadpool versus Gambit number three finally coming out, which has been an interesting run so far. Uh, Doctor Strange number 10 with a Death of X variant cover. We also are going to have Invincible Iron Man number 12. And then we have Marvel Tsum Tsum. I've, I've seen the pictures for it. I don't know how to pronounce it. I know it's popular, but there is a lot of different covers for it. Maybe like, I think there's six, five or six. Um, right now, also, we have Marvel Universe Avengers Ultron Revolution 2 of four, which is a mini. We have the uh, Mockingbird Classic, Bobby Morse, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. trade paper. Moon Knight number five, which I know Tap is probably excited for. We got New Avengers AIM AIM Volume 2 Standoff Trade Paperback Punisher Number 4 by our friend Chip Zdarsky Cool guy Alright and also we have Silk Number 11 We have Spidey Number 9 Squadron Supreme Number 10 We have Star Wars Number 1 Midtown Variant Cover coming out We also have Uncanny Inhumans number 11 going into a second printing, and that's the first appearance of Mosaic. We also have Uncanny Inhumans number 12 with a Death of X variant. Also, we have Uncanny X-Men number 11 by our friend Colin Bunn. And then we have Vote Loki number 3. And then to top it all off, Years of Marvel, the unstoppable number 1. So, Tap, what do you got for us right now? So, folks in the world of DC Comics, every Rebirth title will have two covers unless I advise otherwise. So, we have Aquaman number four, Art Ops number ten, Batman number four, Batman 66 meets Steed and Mrs. Peel number two of six, Batman Beyond number fifteen, Batman Noir, The Killing Joke hardcover, Bloodlines number five, Dark Knight 3, The Master Race, number one of eight. Uh, Dark Knight 3, The Master Race, number two of eight. These are all variant covers, folks. Uh, Dark Knight 3, The Master Yeah, there's a ton of variant covers for the Dark Knight 3 issues one and two. Uh, DC Comics Bombshells, number 16. DC Universe Rebirth, number one. Fourth printing variant cover. Flash, volume seven. Savage World Trade Paperback. Flash, volume eight. Zoom, hardcover. Green Arrow, number four. Green Lanterns, number four. Harley Quinn, number one. Harley Quinn and her gang of Harleys, number four. Harley Quinn and the Suicide Squad, an adult coloring book trade paperback. Injustice, Gods Among Us, year five, number 15. Justice League, number two. Looney Tunes, number 232. (laughs) Nightwing, number two. Scooby Apocalypse, number two. Sheriff of Babylon, number nine. Slash and Burn, trade paperback. Suicide Squad, most wanted Deadshot, trade paperback. Suicide Squad Rebirth, number one. Superman, number four. And Unfollow, number ten. All right. Well, from Image Comics, we will be seeing some great stuff. We will be seeing Black Science, number 23. You'll also be getting Disciple, number 6, which is in my pull box. You'll also be getting Faster Than Light, number 9. 
Fuse number 20. And this next issue I'm really looking forward to brought to us by Ed Brubaker, and that's Kill or Be Killed, issue number one. You'll also be getting Low, number 15, with covers A and B. Midnight of the Soul, issue three out of five. Nailbiter, number 24, another one in my pull box, as well as Paper Girls, issue number eight. We'll have Sex, number 30, followed by Stray Bullet, Sunshine and Roses, number 17. Tokyo Ghost, number nine. And that'll be with covers A and B. You'll have Trees, issue number 14. And to wrap it all up, we have The Walking Dead, issue number 157, with a new story arc. And what is so exciting about this one? Boom, boom, boom. It's going to have two variant covers, one of them being a really cool one that I'm not even going to tell about, but go and make sure it's in your pull box and check it out. And that wraps up the comic book releases for next week, Wednesday, August 3rd, 2016. The weekend is finally here, but this party is wrapping up. Be sure to subscribe to the Four Guys and Comic Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Want to see the four guys? Check out our YouTube channel, keyword, Four Guys in a Comic. And check out the awesome shirts we made from scratch on our website, fourguysinacomic.com. We're also on Facebook, keyword, Four Guys in a Comic, or tweet us at the number four, Guys in a Comic. Hey, you never know what's going to happen, so remember to keep your head up and keep your eyes on the book in front of you. Take care.